Hey everyone, uh, happy Death to Democracy Day. It's uh, episode 59, it's the end of democracy as we know it, and I feel fine. Um, I'm kind of like coming out in the middle of this whole thing because we're still kind of in uh, too early to tell some kind of key races on the East Coast, and obviously we're not going to know much about anything on the West Coast. Um, but it was kind of a matter of do I want to come on when it's 10 or 11 p.m on the East Coast when nobody is up and listening. <laughs> Sorry, that was a dog toy. We'll edit that out. Um, so I want to come on. I want to do a live thing tonight, kind of in the middle of all of this. I want to talk to people. Uh, how did you vote today? How did you uh, celebrate um, in the... Uh, the end of democracy today, which, of course, is antithetical to everything that is democratic, uh, because if you vote, you're participating in democracy. A um, couple things, a couple of early observations. Obviously, Florida seems to be a bloodbath. The uh, Santos just completely running away with it. Uh, he won the Latino vote 51 to 46, which was a vote that he lost by double digits in 2018. And uh, as I'm kind of I, – I have several things going on to give you an idea. Besides the stupid French bulldog in the background, are you done? Um, I have MSNBC on the iPad in front of me. I have CNN on a monitor, and then I have kind of Decision Desk HQ. So I'm not going to be like totally Steve Kornacki tonight, <laughs> like swiping through things. Uh, but I will offer updates – as much as I can through the night. Two things that look interesting beyond Florida, where Rubio handedly won, DeSantis obviously handedly won. And I have a feeling that just based on where we are in the evening and where we are in the time zones, that that's probably going to be a dominant part of the discussion. Oh, hold on. We have our first losing it tweet of the night. Rex Chapman, fucking Rand Paul, fucking Ron DeSantis, Fucking Marco Rubio, our democracy is absolutely positively fucked. <laughs> I kind of need to re reply to this one right now, but I know people are waiting. And see, this is the thing about doing this live. This is how this is going to go tonight. This is, I'm basically doing live election coverage. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'll respond to that while one of you is talking. But, um, Clearly, so far, the early thing tonight is um, Florida. Also, what's being lost in the whole DeSantis-Rubio thing is that they flipped a house seat. Um, I, oh, God, I have to go down and get her name because I'm live and I'm not good at doing 50 things at once. Um, Anna Paulina Luna flipped Florida 13. And so from what I saw, they only have to flip a couple more seats in the house now. So, um, as I said, I know timing's weird. This is going to be completely chaotic. I'm not promising anything uh, smooth about any of this as I'm kind of – I'm going to be listening and responding to you. I'm going to be watching an iPad in front of me. I'm going to have to be responding to fucking Rex Chapman tweets now. And um, But I kind of just want to know how things went for you wherever you were in the country today. How did voting go? Um there's a great account on Twitter called Jarvis Best who suggested the whole problem. Uh, I have Stephanie Rule in front of me on mute, and she's just going crazy. 
Um, quick update, Georgia Senate, Walker 49.3, Warnock 48.9, 55% in. So, uh, I don't know. Things look to be going. Obviously, the race people are watching is Georgia. They're also watching Pennsylvania. Right now, uh, Fetterman, the, the, the biggest question with Pennsylvania is can, can Oz catch Fetterman's mail-in vote? And this was the whole problem with holding the debate when they did, obviously. Uh, people I've reliably spoken to have said, oh, good, that's a helicopter. People I've uh, spoken to reliably said they still think Oz is going to win, but we'll see. But a lot of these races are going to be up for grabs. It just comes from doing the timing of when I decided to do this. So uh, I'm going to kind of let you guys rip tonight. Um, how did how did how did you celebrate the end of American democracy today by voting? Uh, how did things go if you mailed in? Uh, how did you vote? You're free to express that with no bias. I don't care if you voted Republican or Democrat, whatever. Um, let me know what you think you're watching. So like I said, this is going to be a little chaotic. Uh, as I said, uh, they've also now called Kentucky for Rand Paul over Booker. That was to be expected. Um, and so kind of just I'm going to let you guys kind of run with this while I'm multitasking. And then I will jump in and kind of do this as we go. Like I said, this won't be kind of normal as we do things where things settle and then we discuss them. Obviously, we're live. We're having fun. We're just doing this at kind of the worst part of the night. Andrea Mitchell looks sad. That's good. Um, and so I unfortunately cannot get MSNBC on the iPad. <laughs> I tried. Uh, I really tried, but they just do like the Kornacki live cam. So I can't get Joy Reid or Maddow or anything. So unfortunately. Um, so I will jump in when I see results or wherever, either online or on the iPad. And when I can, um, Maggie Hassan currently is up 58 to Boldick's 40 with 25% in. So that's still one to watch. Um, it does definitely look like the House is gone. And so we'll see about the Senate. So anyway, this is not going to be uh, your polished uh, CNN live cast. Uh, but I thought it'd be fun. It'd be fun to just kind of come on here and celebrate the end of democracy. One of the interesting things before I turn it over is that this whole democracy talking point, you guys have to understand where this came from to understand where it came from and to see where the democratic party centered around it. Um, it comes with two things. One, it comes with trying to tie the midterms around Donald Trump. It's, it comes with trying to basically say, we're going to keep Donald Trump as the focus of the main character. I, I do believe that the timing of the raid of Mar-a-Lago was political we have 41% in Ohio, Ryan 51, Vance 48. That's to be expected. Um, I also think that the January 6th committee's whole timing thing was to keep Trump in the main as the main character. And this whole talk and battle of democracy. Uh, Langford has defeated Horman, Oklahoma, by the way. Um, and as exit polls showed, especially on CNN, that didn't resonate with people. And obviously it didn't resonate with people because the economy – because of inflation, because of everything. And when you're a party trying to claim the concept of democracy, when you are the Democratic Party trying to co-opt the word democracy and therefore the meaning behind it, I think people see through that because what you're actually claiming is we need single party rule to preserve democracy. And people have 
Amer- Americans especially have such an ingrained idea about what our, our democracy is. We know what was sacrificed to form it. And we know when one party tries to claim the mantle of the word democracy, we know that it looks dishonest. And I think people see immediately right through it. And also this vague idea about what democracy is. You have to understand that the Democratic Party and the Biden administration went all in on the the conspiracy theory that you have to keep us in power because if you don't, we're going to elect election deniers in all of these races that are going to install Donald Trump in 2024. And apparently that's the end of democracy right there. There won't be any military intervention. There won't be any uh, intelligence intervention or anything like that. That'll just be it. And as I've stated repeatedly, if Joe Biden and the Democratic Party keep going this way, as evidence in Florida and evident in the Hispanic vote, as we've seen in Pennsylvania, we've seen in Ohio, we've seen in several cities with even the black vote, Donald Trump's not going to have to steal anything if he decides to run and if he's the nominee. I think one of those things is answered. And so they went kind of all in on this very cable news style online narrative of uh, democracy when it turns out that I think people have a pretty good understanding of democracy is. It's not what Joe Biden claims it is. It's not what MSNBC claims it is. Democracy is you going to the polls and you voting the way that you want. It's that simple. And if you try to claim that keeping my party in power is actually what democracy is, it doesn't really work. And so that's why this issue did not even poll somewhere in the top five or six upon exit polling. And so that's kind of where we at. Um, I'm going to kind of jump into callers. And like I said, this is just going to fly. So if I interrupt you, don't be offended. I try not to. Uh, it's just been uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has won her race. It's been called. She's now the governor of Arkansas. And I would argue that Huckabee Sanders is much more likely a running mate for Trump than either Carrie Lake or anybody else. Um, so that's where we're at. Jared Polis is running away with the governor's race in Colorado. That was to be expected. So um, let me give me your experience about election day voting today. How are you celebrating the end of American democracy as Joe Biden calls it? Uh, one thing I noticed online today that was pretty great is finally the political right started to flip this. Um, you saw several memes today online of people saying, here's my ballot, here's American democracy. And they started mocking this idea that only the political left can claim the site, can, can claim American democracy means single party rule. And so let me know how you're celebrating the end of American democracy tonight. How does your voting experience go? What do you think on things based on the polls? Let me know how things are, how, were there problems? We know there were problems in Maricopa County in Arizona today. I don't necessarily think that was nefarious, but there were problems. That's all that matters. <laughs> doesn't matter if it was the Russians or Stop the Steal. We, we know that 20% of voting machines failed. Ballots now have to go to a hand count. And like it or not, that's going to cause some people to just go, you know, go full tinfoil hat. And uh, we've already seen Reuters and a couple of other media media outlets suggest that that's a conspiracy theory. And this goes back to kind of the Paul Pelosi attack. You can't really accuse people of a conspiracy theory when it actually happens. Okay. And of course, people on Twitter and people on social media are going to hypothesize about all of that shit. So 
uh, I know we're kind of going fast and furious. I only I, I, I want to go for as long as maybe an hour, but if things keep getting updated, uh, we'll keep going. So, or as long as I have callers. Uh, so don't be afraid to jump in the queue. Uh, if you're new to this, obviously you can just do uh, jump into the callers queue. Uh, I don't screen. I don't do anything. Uh, we just kind of let it rip. A uh, couple ground rules as usual. Please mute your microphone if you're not speaking and you're on the caller. It just helps uh, people listen more, helps me concentrate. I just had to like literally throw one of my dogs off the balcony because they were being too loud. Um, and also just be mindful of people behind you. Don't kind of turn this into your own personal podcast. Just kind of uh, pick your thing and go with it. And I know it can get conversational and that's usually on me and that's fine. Um, so we're going to jump in. Jacqueline, I know you're in Florida. Um, I'm going to kind of, uh, work here and I'm going to take Jack who I haven't seen too often. I think Jack's back, but uh, Jacqueline, just hold on a minute, but I'm going to take Jack. So Jack, just what are you seeing tonight? How are you celebrating the end of American democracy? Um, are, are you in the life raft? Are you headed for the Canadian border? Are you stocking up on ammunition? Uh, ammunition? What, what's going on? How are we celebrating the official end of the last election? Well, I'm always stocking up on ammunition. Um, that has nothing to do with the election, though. But, yeah, I mean, we had a good run, a uh, couple centuries of democracy. Uh, sad to see it go. Um, but, yeah, I'm just sitting on the couch watching MSNBC looking increasingly desperate. Yeah, I, I here's the here's the difference is people ask this, like, what are you going to watch? Are you going to watch him? Uh, you're right. It's going to go completely off the deep end because you have Maddow and you have Joy Reid. That doesn't compare to like Dana Bash and Jake Tapper. I mean, it, it's kind of the same crazy shit with Inside Voice. Um, this, this has really been kind of the political rights favorite sport since 2016. And as someone who didn't vote for Trump, um, I, I, I cannot hide how much the cable news coverage of that night still amuses me. Just the, just the slow motion of uh, kind of thing. And so that's another thing. Let me know if you're watching MSNBC or CNN tonight. The thing is, we're doing this a little early. Uh, if if Federneck loses, if Shotgun Frankenstein loses, that's when MSNBC will really go off the deep end. Um, I don't even think... There was an interesting thing the other day about um, they were looking at polling in Michigan and New York, the governor's races. And I made a statement that I still think about, which is if Gretchen Whitmer loses cable news and the political left will take that as a harder loss than losing the house. Does, do you agree with me on that? And I think it's because of the pandemic. It's because of, holy shit, this is a complete repudiation of her pandemic policies, but they also tried to make Gretchen Whitmer a star just because of her fucking Fauci pillow in the background. And so, and if you guys want this on MS, on NBC news right now, I shit you not. This is the funniest thing. The female anchors are dressed in red, white, and blue. <laughs> sorry. Andrea Mitchell is in white. Savannah Guthrie is in blue. And the other female anchor, I don't know who she is, is dressed in red. It's like, come on, what are you doing? So this isn't like a fucking democracy beauty pageant. Um, I'm sorry. I, I just saw this on my iPad and I'm just cracking up. I'm like, what are you guys doing? 
Um, but yeah, also throw in like, what do you, what are you watching tonight? Are you watching NBC for the hopeful or CNN for the, the inside? Well, I, I think it's interesting um, seeing in my lifetime how the media and the Democratic Party have kind of draped themselves in the flag. You talked about them wearing red, white, and blue. But they talk a lot more about how sacred American democracy and institutions are. But they're sort of speaking out of both sides of their mouth because it's both a sacred institution that any form of questioning is a horrible attack on, you know, the soul of our country. But it's also a system that is entirely based on racist evil that needs to be torn down. And it's just interesting watching them go back and forth to say, you know, any any sort of questioning of this is awful, but if we lose, it's because it's illegitimate and racist. And that's one thing I wanted to touch on is that I live in Tennessee, a pretty red state in a uh, majority black area district, and it's a walking distance to my polling station. In any election I've voted in, I've never had to wait. Um, It's quick. It's easy. So to my ear, all this talk about how there is some sort of voter suppression or tricks or anything like that is just a load of nonsense. Yeah, as as I've always said, it's it's completely antithetical to what democracy is for one party to just simply claim the mantle of democracy. And you also have to understand where this all came from. This comes from the conspiracy theory that the Republican Party, whatever, is anti-democratic because of what happened on January 6th. And and obviously the riot, I, I was one of the first guys out of the gate to write Trump should be impeached over his actions that day. Not so much the speech, I don't care about that. Uh, I do care about him just disappearing for an hour and a half while they couldn't get the National Guard in or any troops in. Um, but this idea that I mean, what Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley did, as much as I'm against it, was no different than what Barbara Boxer did or Benny Thompson, who's the chair of the January 6th committee. It's like, how do you do this? How do you do this with a straight face? Um, and or Hillary Clinton, when they all basically rose to object the Bush uh, 20 certification of the Ohio votes. And again, the whole idea is we can do this and you can't, and we've been doing it forever. And eventually you get to a point when the other guy just goes, all right, we're going to try this too. And that's how slippery slopes work. And they don't care about any of that. I'm sorry. It's uh, Hallie Jackson is in the red. <laughs> sorry. She, to her credit, she is accentuated with a black undershirt. Um, and so this whole idea that we are the party of democracy after every anyone with a pair of eyes and ears has seen you reject democracy over and over and over and over again. We saw it with Stacey Abrams in 2018, and you made her a political star. Um, and she's going to lose tonight, most likely. We don't have those results in, but it, it, most likely she will based on polling. And there's still she'll be an, she'll probably be a contributor at one of these networks because I don't I can't imagine her. I don't know. Maybe maybe Biden needs a uh, a primary candidate. I don't know, and maybe that's her. Um, Texas governor is reporting fifty two percent in Abbott fifty one Beto forty seven. The thing I love about these things when they throw that up on the screen is that just gives their audience hope. When I'm watching MSNBC, um, but this whole idea that to preserve democracy you must maintain single party control. 
again, this was a message that was crafted mostly through Twitter historians, guys on Twitter, Atlantic writers. They were invited to the White House in August, and that's when Biden settled on this message. And even tonight you're seeing CNN and you're seeing MSNBC come to realization that this wasn't even in the top five of voter concerns. So what does that say about Biden? What does that say about media who is all in on this narrative as well? Because um, Sean Davis from The Federalist had an interesting idea, which was it's not the Democratic Party taking their cue or it's not the media taking their cues from the Democratic Party. It's actually the media leading the narrative. And I actually I think that that's correct. I think that the Democratic Party sees what the media is talking about. And they just follow it. They go, hey, this is what people are watching. This is what people are listening to. It must be popular. So we're going to do this. And now what you're learning is, no, it's not even close. It's, it's the things that we're concerned about are things that you are telling us aren't even happening. Jen Psaki, about 40 minutes ago, just now blamed the Florida races on Hispanics falling for disinformation. They tried this in 2020. They did it in 2018. And my only my only explanation to this is just keep going, keep doing this, keep telling Hispanics you're too dumb to look at your wallet. You're too dumb to look at your groceries. This is all misinformation, because if you think that a 13 percent swing for Hispanics in Florida is something you haven't seen anything yet in Texas or California. Yeah, I mean, demographics is destiny, right? That's what they said. Um, one thing I'll, I want to touch on before I let someone else have the floor is that I think this root in the sort of media conspiracy has its roots a bit farther back. Because when you look back at the Bush years, as much as the media says, oh, everything's a conspiracy on the right now, they would steep in it. You know, Bush didn't really win. It was something with his brother and the governor. And, you know, Bush lied and people died. You know, it's all Halliburton and, you know, the secret sort of get the oil, and, and that was sort of their coverage, is that Bush was a fascist trying to instill it, and now they look back on him as, you know, oh, one of the last good Republicans. I mean, I remember when they compared him to Hitler because he enjoyed painting. Um, they were a bit more subtle about it because Trump hadn't broken their brains yet, but I think this has roots going back 20 years where the media increasingly sort of bought into these hokey ideas that didn't really have a lot of support and then would give credence to them and started talking about Republican politicians in an increasingly existential manner. I mean, there were people talking about how, well, you know, should the president of the United States be tried in The Hague as a war criminal? And it takes a minute to realize, you know, how insane a statement like that is. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's great watching this uh, night unfold. I hope it gets even better. Thank you for having me on and have a good one. Thanks, Jack. Uh, scrolling back. All right. Let's bump Jack. Let's bump Jacqueline up. Jacqueline State had a good introduction needed. Hey, um, yeah, I just was calling in from, you know, the crazy person from Florida. And uh, I'm not surprised about really any of the results that have happened here. The only thing I was actually surprised about was how much that DeSantis won by. 
because I probably like three or four days ago was thinking, okay, he'll win by maybe 12 or 13. And then looking at the results come in and he's like almost 16, 17 points ahead. Uh, that was surprising. And also what was surprising and the, the, Jack, probably the reason Jacqueline, I think it was hold on be... real fast. Sixty six percent. No, sixty six percent in. Oh God damn it! Chuck Todd just changed it. Sixty six percent in Georgia. Sixty it was. Uh, I forgot. I'm I'm sitting here looking at Georgia. Warnock is up by like four percent in Georgia with sixty six votes in. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I warned people this. I was going to do this. Yeah. No. I I heard you. But yeah, like maybe the reason I was so off because I didn't think he would flip Miami Dade and Palm Beach counties. Like when My, I saw Miami, those Miami in, Dade, he's the first Republican in twenty years to flip Miami Dade at the mar at, at, at Miami Dade at all. Um, Miami Dade is famously the the Gore County, uh, the Hanging Chads and whatever, and then also and that was also Broward County. But uh, he's the first uh, Republican to flip Miami-Dade in 20 years, a, a, a district that Biden won by something like 30% just two years ago. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, when, like, I thought it would be about 12%. And when I saw that he won Miami-Dade, I was like, holy shit, this is going to be a bloodbath. Like, if he flipped Miami-Dade and, like, um, you and the... Maybe the other caller we're talking about, Jack was talking about, about Hispanics, like the Hispanics that are in Florida, like you said, the the Democrats think they're just too stupid and don't realize that their money is just disappearing every day. And so they voted a different way. I think what's interested, I think what's interesting here is that the, the the Hispanic vote nationwide, mind you, we haven't even gotten to Arizona or Texas yet. That's that's one of the weird things about me coming on and why I was like, do I wait until we're kind of mid? No, I want to kind of get my East Coast people. Um, is there going to see a national freakout over the Hispanic vote, especially Nevada? Nevada looks like it's going to flip. If polling holds, Nevada will flip a Senate seat. And that's really all they need. Then, I mean, then it doesn't really matter if um masters loses or anything like that but um if they double down on what Jen Saki is saying Jen Saki thing and i'm sitting here just going how do you once you once you go all in on the on the thing about latinx right we they a bunch of like rich progressive white east coast liberals who listen to npr decided we're going to create latinx we're going to make that a thing even in it completely, uh, it personified the the progressive white savior narrative of defund the police. You had white progressives on Instagram doing the black square. We want to, we want to defund the police. We don't need any more black people killed. And then what we heard is like you actually had black neighborhoods going, no, 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 we like the police. Like <laughs> you don't understand. And that was sort of the thing with the the Latinx thing is no we need to be more inclusive for hispanics so we're creating latinx latinx whatever and then you had hispanics going we've never even fucking heard of this like what are you what are you doing um there's two crazy ladies looking into the camera uh on msnbc and it's a little 
off-putting. Um, but they, so this to me is a complete backlash to kind of, you can use it as a cliche, but it's a kind of complete backlash to woke ideology, which is white progressives basically de- telling Latinos and blacks what's best for them. Uh, FYI, Vance is up 53 to 49 in Ohio with 50% in. So it doesn't look like that. looks like that's probably over. Vance looks like he's going to win Ohio. Um, so my, I guess my thing is, is like, how do you walk this back? How do you walk back? Actually, we didn't mean Latinx. We didn't mean to fund the police. We didn't mean give puberty blockers to kids. You, they are absolutely boxed in on some of this stuff and they absolutely cannot walk any of this back because once you do it, suddenly you're not inclusive and now, and now suddenly you're bigoted and suddenly you can't just go back to the pride flag being a rainbow. Um, you can't just go back to the trans flag being what it is. And I, I don't care if the trans community has their own flag. I don't care. I care if that flag is flown in school classrooms, but other than that, it's, it's good looking. I like the kind of pink with the light blue, but that's my whole thing is that's what this looks to be like. It just kind of looks like, white progressives and cable news and media telling Latinos, no, you're Latinx now and Latinos going, fuck, you know, we're not. And we're going to vote appropriately. And we saw this with the female vote. Like there was a 14 point swing. John Thune is one South Dakota. Uh, there was a 14 point swing with independent women where it was plus 18 Biden to suddenly plus 14 GOP and you can't tell me that that had nothing to do with a Supreme Court nominee going, I don't know what a woman is. I'm not a biologist or like or, or like promoting TikTok cosplayers, which is what these guys are. They're not women. And even if you're trans, you're not a woman. And so you had a party over here going, I don't I can't tell you what you are anymore. And so it's interesting to me in the sense of I don't know how they walk some of this back. So. Yeah, just last thing before I send you off, I just saw on the uh, Peacock channel that uh, DeSantis was up by 19 points. 19 points. Would you ever have thought that Florida, when he only won by like a half a percentage point, that DeSantis would win by 19 points? No. Uh, real fast. I'm looking at Steve Kornacki touch his little smart wall or whatever. But, yeah, it's it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see the Democratic Party. They're not going to autopsy this. They're not going to go – I mean, they might, but they won't publicize it. They're not going to go, hey, how did how did this happen? They're going to blame disinformation, and they're going to just say, we already have MSNBC saying it's gerrymandered. <laughs> It's a state race. Um, and that's to their detriment. And this is kind of my whole point is I don't know how you walk back any of these claims. Um, we heard for months that DeSantis's war on Disney was going to doom him. And uh, there are all these polls. And I don't think anybody thought that. Um, I guess my question, what in your mind does this do? Got- what, what, did, what in your mind does this do for you and Donald Trump? But did you know that uh, DeSantis got married at Disney? Yeah. Is that going to yeah, sway he your was a, he was a weird teacher at summer school a few years ago, too. Um, <laughs> what? 
Jack, we know we know that Trump's kind of just hanging around back there. What does this do for you in Trump vis-a-vis DeSantis in Florida? I I I don't want Trump to like. I know he's announcing in a week. He said he has a major announcement on the. Yeah, 15th, he's announcing. Which it, yeah, so it's like I know he's announcing. I don't want him that, to. If he actually that. cared. Right. Yeah, it's like talk talk to Ivanka, tell her to convince him not to run, because he shouldn't. But it's like I liked him as president. I'm not gonna lie, I liked him as president, but I think his time is done, and DeSantis needs to be the nominee for the Republican Party. Uh, what happens if Trump goes after him? I mean, so, so something that's interesting is I saw some commenter that said that this kind of win is enough of a statement on its own to where Ron DeSanctimonious doesn't even have to basically respond to any of this. Uh, but clearly Trump's already like hit him on a couple of things. What's interesting to me about Trump going after DeSantis is DeSantis hasn't like said anything about Trump. He hasn't said anything bad. He's just kind of been doing his governor shit in Florida. And Trump kind of just preemptively hit him for no reason, which is out of character. Normally Trump usually goes after people after they've kind of said something about Yeah, him. he counterpunches. Yeah, and, and but that's what's interesting about, is he's it, not counterpunching here. He's like going after the guy preemptively. And I think and I thought that that was interesting. Um yeah, I, I, don't, I think it shows I, his I, I desperation. He wants to be there so badly. I, I think it shows that Trump. I think desperate. it shows that Trump. I don't want to say Trump is scared, but I think he. Rich Laurie to me had it right in Politico. He said all he sees is DeSantis is in the way, and even I thought was Trump has never seen anyone as being in his way before ever. Like. Mm-hmm. Even during the 2016 primaries, he was ahead of Je- Jeb, and he was ahead of Rubio, and he was ahead <laughs> of Cruz. It, it, so nobody has ever really been in his way. And I think that that's interesting in the sense of, you know, Trump has to be acting like he's now an underdog just based on these numbers. Like, uh, I, I jokingly said on Twitter to me, and I'll wrap this up, is that DeSantis should come out and thank Trump for his vote. <laughs> You should come out and say thank you to the voters. Thank you to Florida. The, the, and thank you, former President Trump, for your vote. I appreciate it. And just that, just that will just, just kind of be a dig. Um, I, I don't know what DeSantis' plans I Nobody even knows if he's running. To me, with his war chest and his advisors and his support, I don't know how he doesn't. But maybe he doesn't – nobody knows any of his plans. That's the whole thing. And this is why I caution people, don't get ahead of your skis because you might be stuck with Trump if you're in the GOP. DeSantis might just say, hey, you know, I like Florida. I like being down here. My kids are in school. My wife likes it here, and I, I, I don't want this. And Yeah, and that's what, that's what I feel about DeSantis too. It's like I don't know if he wants to be president. His wife just went through a battle with breast cancer. He has young kids. Like, maybe he doesn't want to take on that responsibility. I would vote for him over Trump, but it was like, maybe he doesn't want it. So you can't just think he's going to be the person 
to go for because we might be having Trump in the lane. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Real fast, Michael Bennett projected to be Joe O'Day in Colorado. That was expected, but that one was announced already. <laughs> so uh, that was another one. So, Jack, Jacqueline. All right, uh, well, yeah, I'll, no, go I'm good. I'll let you go and go on to the next caller. Thanks, Jacqueline. No problem. All right, let's bring up. Mac, go ahead. I don't even... Hey, good night, Steven. Um, anyway, I'm just kind of sitting here watching the election results like everyone else, so just taking it all in. We're all waiting to see what happens. I think that... I guess the one thing that... I guess has surprised me so far in this race, besides, like, DeSantis, last I saw was up, like, 19 in Florida. I know we all expected him to win Florida pretty handily, but not by 20 percentage points. So I think that I think that is going to have a lot of implications for the Republican primary if he can win a newly super important like red state, not purple anymore. Like he he did that. I think that has a lot of implications for the nomination and uh two, I guess I guess I'm a little surprised that like he, like you said it looks like he's going to win. I did not realize that JD Vance was running like 10 points behind Mike DeWine or DeWine or whatever his name is. Like I I kind of had expected that to be a solid solid GOP pickup, but I don't know, I'm not I'm not someone who I guess pays attention all the time to what's going on in the midterms. I have, you know, interests and hobbies. But anyway, you were asking about voting experiences today in the midterms and I guess I'll be the one to kind of get your get your audience going with some conspiracy theories but I'm vote I voted in Michigan today and you know I'll be the first to say that I don't think you know anything's fishy going on or anything like that and I wouldn't have thought of it or anything of it if everything in Arizona wasn't going on right now with all the uh the voting machine issues but I went there to vote at like probably 7.15 this morning. So I was still drinking my coffee and, you know, I guess waking up. And obviously the stuff in Arizona hadn't started happening yet. So it wasn't on my radar. But the first thing I hear when I get there is like, you know, after I go in through the tables and like giving my ID and all that, the lady says like, oh, yeah. Matt, real fast. Sorry, real fast. I'm I'm rambling. No, no, no. you're You're not rambling. Uh, I'm jumping in with maybe some insider information that they have just called Georgia for Kemp. That's not official, but I have sources. But Okay. What, what, so he's probably what three, four points behind or Walker's three, four points behind Kemp. What is, what are they saying that Kemp has? I, right now? I don't, I can't reveal that. I'm revealing sort of inside information oh, based, sure, on, sure, sure, sure. based on WhatsApp conversations with people's, but uh, I'm co- I'm comfortable enough to to say to repeat without revealing anything that Kemp has. They're basically ready to call Georgia for Kemp. But go ahead, Matt. So okay, I, I warned you're, people you're, I was going to do this, but only to do things like this. But go ahead. Yeah, you're a journalist, so you probably have inside sources at Twitter. Do not right? do not use that slur with me. <laughs> do not, do not use me. the slur journalist on me. I will. Please don't I will boot. Boot. Please don't boo me. Anyway, so, yeah, I was voting in Michigan this morning, first thing in the morning, and um, the lady tells me, like, okay, we can't, the voting machine's not working, so you're just going to put your ballot into this, you know, little box in front, and this is going to be tabulated later. 
and I didn't think anything of it. I was, like I said, I was first thing in the morning, I was still waking up. So I'm like, all right, whatever, put my ballot in there, get home, get, get to work. And then I saw that, I think it was the, I don't know what position it, what their technical titles were, but those two guys from Arizona, like showing people like, okay, if you, if you get to a voting machine that doesn't work, this is how it works. It was like exactly like that. And so when I, I saw that at probably like 10 o'clock this morning and then my radar is going off like, okay, whoa, maybe that was a little suspicious. But, you know, since then I haven't seen anything, any reports out of Michigan or anything like that. So I'm inclined to think like, okay, it wasn't really an issue, but maybe just kind of a, just kind of a coincidence of that pretty like exactly the same, like seemed like the exact same process they were doing that they were doing in Arizona as well. So I don't know. just wanted to share my experience again. I don't, I don't necessarily think it was anything fishy. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, my, 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 my fun experience was in 2012, uh, the night before I was, I was living in Brooklyn and the night before the election, I called to confirm my registration and my precinct. And, uh, I called, I just called the election manager, whatever. And I was like, I just need to make sure I'm registered. And the lady said, okay, what's your name and date of birth and whatever. And I gave that, not giving it to you, but I gave it to them. And they asked for my party affiliation. And I said, Republican, because I was going to vote for Mitt Romney. And she kind of like went, okay. <laughs> and I, I like, I, I kind of like went, huh? And, and, I, and she goes, okay, yes, you're here. And I was like, okay, so I can show up tomorrow and vote. Yes. So I go to my precinct is like, like two blocks away. Uh, real fast. I'm looking at MSNBC 53 to 46 Kemp. So I have good sources. I guess we'll leave it at that. Greg Abbott, 52 to 46 Texas Beto going down. Um, so I go to my precinct and I'm waiting in line and I go up and I get my name and they don't have me on the registration rolls. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, I just fucking called you people last night. No, we don't have you. And I'm like, I just confirmed this with you. And they're, and I give my name and they show me. So they give me a provisional ballot. And right there, I just kind of wanted to leave. I was like, this isn't going to get fucking counted. Are you kidding me? In, in Brooklyn, New York, in a presidential election? Look, I know it's going for Obama, but that's not the point. And so I still went in and I still did it. But I was kind of like, this is bullshit. <laughs> what, 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 what is a provisional ballot? They, just, they, they, give they you take the, your vote give you an and empty they decide whether it right? later. Right. So, no, they give you the ballot. You go into the box. You fill it out. And then you fold it. You put an envelope and you put your name on it. And yeah, they count it later. And I'm just like, they're not going to fucking count this. This is going in a garbage bin. But it was the whole thing where I called in the night of. And, or the night before, and they were like, yes, you're in the rolls. And I'm like, what's your party? Republican. And she, she just goes, okay. And I was just like, excuse me? <laughs> so I, that's, my, that's my one voting quasi-conspiracy. Like, they totally threw that ballot. And like, why would you need to in New York? That's the thing. I'm like, you know that he's not going to win, so what do you care? Right. Um, I didn't see anything about too many conspiracies in Michigan, but the thing in Arizona is – troubling and i don't i don't mean it's troubling in the sense of 20 percent 20 percent is what they said right that's 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 a lot that's like yeah see i don't think that that's shenanigans i don't think that that's the arizona you know i think that that's katie hobbs being horrible at her job i think it definitely creates the appearance of it for sure 
this is the pro and this is where when media cries conspiracy, it's like, hold on, 20% of voting machines failed in Maricopa County in, oh, Chris Wallace is on CNN. That's weird. Um, 20% of voting machines failed in Maricopa County, one of the largest counties in Arizona. And the secretary of state who's supposed to be overseeing this is nowhere to be found today. This is the thing. You saw Carrie Lake. Where was Katie Hobbs today? She wasn't out giving a presser about this. And I'm kind of like, she's also on the ballot. So this whole idea that you don't think people aren't naturally going to ask questions. I'm not saying that there's shenanigans. I'm not saying that she had anything to do with it. But this idea that media goes after people for going, that's kind of fucking weird. How did this happen? Is it's sort of like the Paul Pelosi attack. It's like you, you, your voting machines failed. Like that, that's not a conspiracy. Like that actually happened. And you're sitting here blaming people on Twitter for going, so you're telling me 20% of all voting machines failed in the largest Arizona County while the secretary of state who's supposed to oversee the operations of this is running for governor. That <laughs> I'm not saying it looks suspicious, but a lot of people, especially in Arizona, who are a bunch of like 75 year olds are probably going to go, what the fuck? And so there was also an entire county in New Jersey failed and two, two small counties in, in Pennsylvania failed. And I saw a couple of tweets, and this is the only kind of mean thing I'll say, is how do you do this two years after the questions around Arizona and everything, legitimate or not? Like, why wouldn't you go out of your way to, like, make sure that this ran smoothly? And then we learned that Katie Hobbs was someone who never did her job. Well, if she can't do her fucking job as Secretary of State... How is she going to do her job as governor? And by the way, why are you sending $14 billion to Ukraine instead of fixing our fucking voting machines? That's what people are going to. Right. And like, you know, I, I, one, one county in New Jersey, it's like, okay, act like, you know, people fuck up. That is what it is. 20% of like that, that's Phoenix in Arizona, Maricopa County, right? Like 20% and they're probably large. i I don't know if it's their largest county or whatever. I know it's up there. I don't know enough about Arizona, but and in an election where the person who is in charge of running the elections is on the ballot, positioning herself as a defender of democracy, who against, also who also you know, fucked a, up, a who also fucked up six thousand ballots. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah. I don't believe that there's shenanigans here. I'll, let me to anyone who wants to clip this. I think that this was. A technology failure. Oh, there's Jen Psaki on MSNBC looking. Oh, she's in the white. Um, I don't think that this was shenanigans unless somebody proves otherwise. I think this was a technology failure, but you can't have that kind of technology failure. Jen Psaki's had plastic surgery. Anyone who's watching MSNBC will attack. Since she was at the White House, is it new? She looks like she's had plastic surgery. Yeah, 100%. Okay. All right. But uh, yeah, anyway. But, like, in the context of what happened in 2020, which, you know, you can have your opinions on, you know, all of that. But either way, two years after that, this is ex an extremely scrutinized election in a competitive state. And when you're the governor or when you're when you're the secretary of state run, positioning yourself against the quote unquote election denying Republican to have this happen, it's like you, you, you really, really need to put yourself in a position to be above that kind of speculation and like they clearly did not like whether it was in like i i agree with you it was probably incompetence i'm not i'm not willing to say that there was any any fishy business going on but 
Like, you, I, like th- it, I think you like have. You could, I if you wrote you a book, if you wrote a book prove, about something like this, this is what it would sound like. I think you have to be able to prove shenanigans. That's Correct. where I'm at. So even if, even if like twenty percent of the voting machines fail, you're going to have to be able to prove. Okay, did did somebody just pull a plug? Was there election workers arrested? And that's that's just why I don't believe a lot of the shit with. 2020 you have to be able to prove it and i know people say like well the fix is in all the way and i'm like okay i just that's where i tune out um i think this is a technology failure and obviously they said that like one of the counties they just had the wrong printer hooked up right and it was yeah i believe that i believe that because when your election workers are 85 years old they don't know how to fucking change printer ink okay that that to me is infinitely more believable than you know a deep state coup in arizona um, especially since I think Carrie Lake is out polling the margins. And that's what, to me, was so interesting about John Carl's tweet today, where he said the person who's complaining about uh, voter fraud or machines is who's losing. And I'm like, wait a second. This is about democracy, right? It's about if voting machines don't work, then they need to be replaced. It's that simple. And given 2016 and given 2020 and all those claims in Arizona, shouldn't you just make sure that everything is fucking working <laughs> like two weeks before the vote? And so, again, I, I don't think that there was anything nefarious here unless, again, you can prove it and shit comes out that it was and then fine. But you just can't have these kind of errors happen, period. And furthermore, you can't blame people for then going, what the fuck's happening in Arizona? Especially in this kind of contentious race where national media is focusing on Carrie Lake is kind of, and myself, who I wrote about her, um, not endorsing her. I just simply, I'm fascinated by her as a post-Trump character. Um, I, I could write 3,000 words about her and 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 how she handles media and, and she's kind of like passive voice Trump, but you have to, you cannot like in a race like this, have that happen is the point. And then when you have the actual person whose job it is to make sure that doesn't happen is running for governor, this, I, this, idea this antagon this antagonistic attitude our media has towards people just going what the fuck like i saw the clip of the election dude coming out today and and, and, and to give you an idea of how i work the first place i saw this clip the video clip of the election worker coming out and saying we have tabulators down you just need to either wait or go somewhere else or whatever um real fast uh Herschel Walker's lead has widened with 68% reporting. Herschel Walker is now in the lead. 49.4 to 48.7. If that doesn't go to a runoff, they're going to lose their shit. Um, anyway, um, God, I lost my point. God damn it. This is, this is why I don't do this. I have four things blinking in front of me. Um, my whole point is, especially in this race, when you have Carrie Lake's reputation and then you have Katie Hobbs, who reportedly never showed up to work as Secretary of State. And then voting machines fail. And the, the first thing I thought today, so when I saw this dude come out and he was like, tabulators have failed, I saw that in a video through Charlie Kirk. Well, I write that off. I, I don't pay attention to anything Charlie Kirk says. I'm like, no, fuck you. I'm going to wait. And then it was reported through the Washington Post. And I know what people say. It's like, the Washington Post is fake news. No, this is my whole point about what my podcast is about. 
is if you want to win arguments, and you want to persuade people, you have to use their sources as a way of showing their own narratives up, which is when the Washington Post is reporting that 10 to 20 percent of uh, tabulation machines are failing. It means they can't call it a conspiracy. So when somebody says this isn't happening, I can show them the Washington Post and say the Washington Post says it's happening. It's not because they're credible. It's because they think it's credible. And so that's when I said, okay, shit's going down. And again, I don't think, I, I just laughed. I was like, how the fuck is this? Because I knew, I knew like the worst corners of like conspiracy media were going to run with it. But that's not my concern. My concern is why aren't the machines working? I don't give a shit what anybody on Twitter says. Okay. It's sort of like, again, the Paul Pelosi attack. If you can't get your information right, I don't care what anybody online says. It's up to you to get the information right before reporting it. And so when I saw this happening, I'm just like, oh, fuck, here we go. And Carrie Lake goes out and she's out there doing her thing. She, that's how she's a smart politician is she goes out there right away. Uh, Kirstie Noem has won re-election. Naughty. Um, is she's the first one out there. Like, how does Carrie Lake put out a statement live before the fucking Secretary of State? How, does Katie Hobbs even exist? I don't think I've seen footage of this person. Why is the Secretary of State of Arizona not out saying, here's the problem? Here's, maybe it's because they thought it would be too political. Well, yeah, that's the problem. If you're the Secretary of State running for governor and now there's voting machine problems, people are going to automatically question and that's not on them that's on you that's on your state infrastructure and then it's on the media for just writing it off as a conspiracy theory go ahead matt yeah no i i completely agree with everything you just said it's it's not it's not maliciousness it's not some conspiracy but at the same time in this context in 2022 you need to be you need to be able to be above something like that other like otherwise you end up in a situation like this where it it's like a it's like a Netflix writer could have written out this this plot of like it it, it I don't know it's it kind of blows my mind just the incompetence and like you said Katie Hobbs is nowhere to be found and like she's she's kind of tried to do the thing the Joe Biden thing where she just doesn't show her face on the campaign trail and but like you like that it's your job. Like you're the, you're elected to oversee elections in the state of Arizona. I, I, I guess, I guess if I have to look at it and, and I try to, I do this a lot is I try to put myself in, in her campaign seat and say, how would you have this? And maybe they just said, if you come out and give a statement, it's going to look politicized and it's going to make it worse. Maybe, but then you have to release that statement saying that you can't just like, not show up <laughs> you're still the secretary of state did her office have a press release or anything like I that i didn't i did not see as such i i might have missed nothing. it but i'm generally someone who doesn't miss things like that yeah shoot that's whatever i mean they're gonna pull the ticket for d regardless i guess if you're we're there. 76 in walker 49.1 warnock 49 Oh, um, runoff, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Three more yeah, weeks to, to decide the Senate. Like, can you imagine a runoff race in Georgia to just decide <laughs> the 51st vote because Fetterman pulls it out? God, we you, deserve this. This is hell. You um, haven't suffered enough. Yeah, Matt, you said you were in Michigan today. Correct. Uh, so I don't, we, there's nothing in Michigan yet that I see. There's nothing with Tudor Dixon or Whitmer. And as I said today, 
I think that if if Whitmer loses Michigan, and I this is this is kind of one of these hot takes, but I said if Whitmer loses Michigan, they're going to be more bereft of grief than if they lose the house, um, and especially if Zeldin wins New York, which I think Zeldin winning New York is a better bet than Whitmer losing. But if Whitmer, especially if Whitmer loses. I think they're going to care more about that than losing the house. Is that something as a Michigan resident? I would agree with that. If and more more so, like I agree with you that like kind of Hokel and Whitmer losing would be kind of the two big like holy shit uh, gubernatorial losses for Dems. Hokel more so because like New York is supposed to be like this de- like deep blue state that they should never be able to lose. Whitmer more so because like. She kind of, she was kind of put on a cultural icon. Yeah, she was, she was second only to Cuomo as far as a, as far as a pandemic hero. If you're on the political right, um, Hung Kao looks like he's going to go down. Um, he was the first Vietnamese American candidate who had a lot of momentum, but he looks like he's going to lose. But sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, Whitmer was only second to pretty much, if you, if you had to list the pandemic heroes of the political left, you would go Fauci, Cuomo, and then Whitmer. And two of them, one's been catapulted across the Potomac, one has been resigned. And so Whitmer's kind of really the, and she has not been hung out there as kind of the hero that she was in the pandemic either up until, you know, you know, we started seeing ads a few months ago in Michigan. Like she really had been kind of quiet, especially as like, you know, Dems were facing heat for getting people back and her kids back in schools and the pandemic was lingering a little bit longer. And obviously with Biden's approval creating after Afghanistan, like we really did not hear much from her after that. Yeah, I mean, that one's going to be interesting. I, I think Whitmer probably pulls it out. Um, New York, New York is going to be really interesting because if Bill Clinton is campaigning in New York on election night, so here we go, 16% in Whitmer 51, Dixon 46. How much percent did you stay in? 16% in. Okay. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be interesting to watch. (laughs) We're not going to be able to tell anything until the Detroit start crazy. start sending stuff in but yeah Yeah, it's gonna be tight i'm gonna be out pretty late 16 percent in and dixon's only down by four that's gonna be a fun one to watch so yeah but uh anyway i've i've been taking up enough of your college time so yeah no i said tonight was gonna be chaotic so i mean i said we this could be an hour which i think we just passed or it's gonna be nuts so that's kind of how we're gonna go it so thanks matt yeah Uh, sorry to upset the callers. Uh, Frank was hanging back there. Um, like I said, when I, whenever I see kind of newer people, I like to bump them up. So if Josh, Jeffrey, Jay, Zach can just hold on. Um, I'm going to probably get everybody in tonight. I don't foresee myself cutting one off. But... Can you hear me? Yep. Go ahead. You're up. Oh, hey, man. What's up, dude? Greetings from fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, so we're not we're not even seeing you guys uh, yet. This this is good. I'm, I'm guessing no. West Coasters in. Yeah, man. No, I'm probably one of your very few West Coast listeners. Um, it's just crazy, dude. Like it's 
I'm pretty sure we're going to flip red. Um, it's it's just what it's been out here, man. Like my take, bro, is that it's just been Trump fatigue, bro. Like it's just it's it's very old money out here, man. So it's 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 a purple state. It's a little bit red, but lately it's been blue. And what 2020 uh, midterms last our last midterms it was blue. Sisolak won, so it's just been Trump fatigue. I think that's what it was, and then you know, so that's that's my you know that's my take on how Nevada's going to turn out if it means anything. Where where's my mute button? Uh, I mean, Nevada's famous for obviously Harry Reid. Um, Harry Reid's kind of Nevada machine for twenty years is kind of what kept it blue for the most part and also union workers obviously with casinos and uh that industry service industry is high on union workers and if you anyone who's paid attention nevada was one of these where while everyone was kind of paying attention on pennsylvania and everyone was paying attention to georgia suddenly nevada kind of snuck up and Nevada looks like it's probably going to go red senatorial. And that's where the GOP in the last month started just pouring. So we're at Warnock 49-1, Walker 49. J.D. Vance 53, Tim Ryan 46. So Oh, shit. J.D. was like way behind. Fetterman is 52, Oz 45. So Oz is gaining ground. Oh, boy. Anyway, hey, back man. to Nevada. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> but no, so, I mean, this is the whole thing about Nevada's shorthand history is Harry Reid was just a machine for Nevada. So driving out union vote and obviously, I mean, to me personally, they need to build a statue for Harry Reid. Okay, just give him a monument right on the National well, Mall. I'll, I'll because... let you know right now, they, they renamed uh, they renamed, uh, renamed McCarran Airport, uh, Harry Reid Airport. They should. So, Harry Reid deserves every did. single monument in anywhere that they want. And he should have a memorial next to the Lincoln Memorial on the mall, because without Harry Reid, you don't have the Supreme Court that you have. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole thing with the, the whole thing with Nevada is it was strictly, it was kind of union blue. It was sort of like um, that. But then of course, because demographic shift, attitude shift, Nevada really is one of these states sort of like kind of Arizona where, they just, it kept drifting away. So while states like Colorado, so if you're looking at the states in that region, you're looking at Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, New Mexico kind of went blue with a governor. Colorado's gone really blue with their governor and their politics, mainly because most people from California, Washington, Oregon moved to Colorado. And Nevada, you had a shift where people from California moved to Nevada, but kind of the politics didn't change. And Nevada became one of these toss-ups now to where it was almost like a lean right and that's what's interesting is you saw the GOP pour money into Nevada in the last three weeks of the last month because they realized oh shit we have a race on our hands and we now we can maybe kind of afford to lose Pennsylvania or Georgia or what have you um so yeah Nevada shift Nevada shift is interesting it's not I want to see what the Hispanic vote looks like in Nevada I also want to see what like the metropolitan vote looks like in Nevada um, but also the presidential vote in two years in Nevada is going to be. Well, you've heard that. Um, I'm sure you saw. Uh, I don't know the guy's name on Twitter, but um, earlier in the day, he was reporting how uh, Republicans 
uh, registered Republicans were coming out to the to the polls in droves, and it was overwhelming, like Democratic um, registered voters. Yeah, and yeah, cons- like that. Yeah, the big reporter, the big reporter for Nevada is John Ralston, who uh, he's really the only guy you people pay attention to. But he's, you're right; he said that like Nevada had a kind of early-ish voting, but it looked like uh, the red vote was overwhelming. And, and yeah, I mean, if Nevada, that's one of those sneaky races. And this is the thing about midterms is there's like three consensus about midterms. One is it, the president usually loses the midterms. That's happened now five terms in a row going back to Bill Clinton. Um, the other is, is that it's usually a wave. So it's usually in some in some huge thing, um, it's, it's usually like a majority. It's not like, never, it's never a sneaky thing. And then the other is, is that there's always one or two or three or four or five surprise races. And the Nevada senatorial race is looking like it's going to be one of those surprise races to where the GOP looks like they could afford to lose a Blake Masters. So it's going to be one of those things where maybe Blake Masters loses in Arizona but Nevada carries in, in the Senate the Senate race there, and that always happens. And that, this is one of these things. Like I said, you've seen just come on and like. Um, I also wanted to ask you because you're in New York. Um, I haven't heard anything. I'm not sure if I was in, I was kind of like coming in and out of your 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 calling room. Um, anything on uh, on you guys on your governor race? The. Uh, well, well, one thing I'm not in New York anymore. Um, oh, my bad. I know, no, 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 no. This this is one of my favorite things is that all I simply said is I is I moved out of Brooklyn two years ago. Um, I still do. I still travel there for media. I still do things in media. Um, so the rest of you are just going to have to guess. Um, my only thing on the governor of New York, uh, I still have a New York driver's license. I will give you that. Uh, my thing, my my only thing on New York is it will not shock me. For two reasons. One, like like we just talked about the last caller, is the, the, the two governor races that we've been watching is Zeldin and Halkold, and then obviously Whitmer and Dixon. And both of those are way, way too close. Uh, real fast, Masters 54, Kelly 42, 7% in, but that's, that's scary that's for that race. Um, but... Halkel, here, here's the problem with Halkel in New York. One, nobody elected her. She's not like somebody who ran. She was basically, uh, here we go, 7% in Arizona, 58% Lake, 41% Hobbs. Again, that doesn't matter much, 7% in, but just whatever. Um, but Halkel's problem is, is she because she's never ran a campaign, she was appointed to her position by Cuomo, And so she never had to run a race. So she ran as kind of a generic Democrat running alongside Randy Weingarten and Joe Biden and Bill Clinton, as opposed to just going like, oh, yeah, holy shit, crime is out of hand in uh, in my state. And so it will not shock me to see Lee Zeldin win the governorship. Also, the other thing, people think that that's a rare thing. But I mean, Pataki was a governor. So you have to understand the difference between metropolitan areas. So you have New York City and Brooklyn and the metropolitan areas, like most races around the country, are going to lean heavily blue. But then you get out of the blue areas, you get into the you get into the suburbs, you get into the countryside, and those are mostly red. 
And New York is a big fucking state. So there's a lot of red there. So the only question becomes is, does that overcome what's happening in like New York City? Well, here's here's a notorious fact that most of the media won't tell you. New Yorkers don't like to vote. They don't fucking vote. Like literally they don't vote. They don't care. Um, Bill de Blasio won the mayor in New York City with 11% of a overall total 13% vote. That means that, think about it, there's eight, there's 8 million people in New York City and only like 2 million of them voted. And then it was like mm, 1.2 million voted for mayor. They just don't. They don't fucking vote there. And especially you have to also understand midterms. Nobody votes in midterms. I'm Not the people that you need to in presidential elections, which is young people, college students, BuzzFeed journalists, whatever. And so when you get all of that down, it, it, it becomes to where it becomes a very close race. So would it shock me if Lee Zeldin won? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me because New York governors aren't that rare. People think New York, they think liberal, but it's not that it's not that total error. 78 percent in. 49.1 Walker, 49 Warnock. <laughs> just, so is that definitely going to be a runoff? Yeah, that's going to a runoff. Oh, shit. That's going to go to a runoff. Um, but so as far as that race, <laughs> Zeldin winning would not surprise me. Tudor Dixon beating Whitmer, that will mildly surprise me, but it won't surprise me so much in the sense of that Whitmer was so heavy-handed in her pandemic response. And she was so lionized by the media and doing it that it wouldn't shock me, but just Michigan is a blue state. It's a blue union state. It's just what it is. Right. Um, so no, I'm not surprised at what, ha- what is happening with Zelda in, in New York to answer hey, your question. Okay. One last thing and I'll let you, let you guys you know, let you go. Um, what's next for the president of the universe and the furry? The, the what? The furry and the president of the universe. Oh, jeez. I, I think Beto is done. I think, I, I, I mean, what else can he do? I, I guess run for student council? Um, <laughs> out of the two of them, Stace, yeah, I mean, my gut says they're both done. Like, I think that media and culture will be done with both of them because – when Stacey Abrams loses one race and, and doesn't concede and claims voter fraud, that's fine. But then when she pushes laws and whatever, says everything is Jim Crow, and then it turns out to not be that, and then she loses again, I think it all depends on – I'm curious to see Stacey Abrams' not concession speech. If she comes out and she says – Black voter suppression, which wouldn't shock me. I'm going to go. I'm going to fall over in my seat um, because I don't even know if the media goes for it at that point. Um, out of the two of them, Stacey Abrams has a career in media. Stacey Abrams could be a CNN contributor. She'll be an MSNBC contributor. Beto, to me, will just be kind of forgotten. Um, I don't see him running for anything else unless... In 10 to 15 years, the demographics change in Texas to the point of where he could be a Senate seat or whatever. Um, so out of the two of them, Beto, I think, falls to the just completely falls off the map. 
Abrams, I think, will still be embraced because of equity and African-American woman. They still think that what she did for Georgia was good. So I can completely see her becoming a contributor for CNN, MSNBC or even NBC. Um, and, she, you know, in two years, she's sitting on the stage with Jen Psaki because that's the thing. When candidates like this lose on the Democratic side, it's the best thing that ever happens to them. It's the best thing that happens to their career. When a Republican loses, they're generally gone. Now, Trump is an exception for the most part. But when a Democrat loses, it's like a springboard to a bigger career. Now, here's here's one caveat is if they throw Biden overboard and Biden needs a primary and he sees a primary. And I think he will if he decides not to step down or not step down, if he decides not to run again, even if Kamala is kind of shoehorned in there, which is, I think, what which would happen. But if there's a primary and the media needs someone as a primary candidate, I think Stacey is your girl. Okay. Well, that was a pretty uh, in-depth analysis there, Mr. Miller, but That's uh, what I'm going to let you go. That's what you're here for. You're quite the journalist. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm just going to start I'm booting just... people when they call me that. All right, bro. Great talking to you. Have a good night and uh, rock and roll. Talk to you again soon. Later. Thanks, Frank. That's like new callers. Josh, thanks for being patient. <laughs> first, go ahead. Uh, I'm just sitting here in Colorado, just waiting for the results for Lauren Baber to come in because I have to wake up five. In the <laughs> she morning. might be After the that, only Republican care. that wins in that entire state. Um yeah, I think she's probably uh, going to win. She might be literally the only major Republican that wins her. Uh, not, no, not in the House, but statewide, yeah. it's uh, I, was not, I was hoping O'Day would pull it out, but I didn't think it would happen. There was, there was, a, Jared brief, Polis, there was a brief, brief moment of uh, Bennett vulnerability, and Colorado just nominated the wrong guy. And whatever that means, I, I don't even mean pro-MAGA, anti-MAGA, anything. Um, I, I, I don't, I mean, Bennett's pretty unpopular there. Um, and, and other things that are coming out, I mean, Ed Perlmutter gave up his district and stuff. So there's it, there's interesting races out there, but um, it, the, the Bennett thing feels like a real blown opportunity. If they would, you know, I, and I don't know what the answer was out there. I don't know if. I know O'Day is kind of a squish on some things. He's pro-choice and other things. So I don't know if nominating a uh, FYI, South Dakota, John Thune wins. Duh. Um, John Thune could be a leadership candidate down the road. Anyway, but so I don't know what that is. But Bennett, was, it was really, he was hovering around like 51% approval. So I don't know if that was a candidate thing. I don't know if that's just Colorado's a blue state now or what. Uh, I was just going to go into Jared Polis too. He basically had the same COVID policy as uh, as uh, Ron DeSantis, and like no one cared. Like I'm happy out of here; it worked out great for me. But you know, no one cared. It's out there in the media, and they don't even bother with it because he's the right everything. He's gay and Democrat. <laughs> the thing about Polis is he bucked his party. Um, he he pulled even if like the mayor of Denver did and everything else. But this is what's interesting to me about Polis is um, he just, he doesn't really get the respect in his party. 
Um, if you want my honest opinion, I think it's because how he looks. If Jared Polis looked like Pete Buttigieg, they would be promoting him for 2024 right now. And I know Polis has libertarian leanings, but also when you look at Colorado is now like the leading state in the country for vehicle theft. Um, Colorado basically became Oregon. Denver basically became Portland. And so you, they still have all the problems, but Polis really did buck his party on things like mask mandates, vaccine mandates, et cetera, et cetera. I know like public schools and stuff required vaccine mandates for teachers and stuff, but um, he he's an interesting character in the sense of, you had he's kind of like an anti Gretchen Whitmer, for example, and I think part of the, as someone who grew up in Colorado and just kind of how I know how people there think, one of the reasons Jared Polis isn't going to enforce mask mandates is because it's such an outdoor state, and I know Boulder is pretty much the most liberal city since San Francisco. <laughs> just and if, if if any of you people out there have never experienced Boulder, Colorado, it's like San Francisco with scenic mountains. It really is. And the thing is, Polis really bucked his party on all of that stuff. But it, it's interesting because he doesn't get either the credit for it or anything else. And Polis, to me, I, I don't, I don't foresee a second Biden term. But Polis is someone who would he he would be a cabinet member in a second Biden term. And there were a lot of people who were wondering why he wasn't a cabinet member in a first Biden term. So he's an interesting governor in the sense of he's an off he's just a complete off the charts liberal, embracing a lot of the defund the police, cashless bail, uh, unlimited drug use, unlimited pu- and public encampments, which is just things that have turned Denver into a shithole. Like Portland, there was a great Washington Post article about how a bus driver just he, uh, Colfax Avenue, which if you grew up there is like the main Avenue through color or through Denver and through the suburbs. And there was a great Washington post article about how this bus driver who's been driving a public bus for years, didn't feel safe in their job anymore. Just going through a section of Denver and uh, like the mayor of Denver and Polis responded to it. And they just basically said it was hyperbole and it was overblown. Um, but it does, I mean, Polis, blew away his opponent. That That's something that shocks me. Um, but he's an interesting character, and he's one of those that has sort of kind of maybe been talked up for 24, but I would argue most of that is he doesn't look as affable and polite and gay as people to judge. Uh, real fast, Georgia, 49-49. Yeah, going back to the mask thing, where I'm going to college right now basically just doesn't have a COVID policy at all anymore, which is great. Uh, and it's still being a college, it's super liberal. And so like, even you got to think even out here is a lot of the leftists are just like, they're over it too. And so wherever the holdouts are, that's where you're going to see some of this worst stuff pop up. I, I just don't understand the mindset anymore. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Repeat that real fast. I'm sorry. I got distracted by two things. <laughs> Yeah, or I'm going to college out here. I see uh, there's like we basically don't have a COVID policy anymore. Uh, talking about masks, like nobody wears a mask out here. Even even the really super like COVID crazy people you think would do it, but they don't do it anymore. Even the, the professors, no one does. And just like I think that's 
a demonstrative of the mindset we have just out here in general. It's like, it's over. And Colorado's very outdoorsy. Like, it's on people jogging, right? Where do you, what, what university in Colorado do you go to? What college? Uh, it's out in Grand Junction, Colorado Mesa University. Oh, okay. Not as much as I'm with my thing, but yeah. No, so, I mean, so you're like right on the board. For anyone, for anyone who's not familiar with Grand Junction, is basically like six hours from Denver, um, which is weird for someone who grew up in Denver because, like, I could drive six hours and I would be in Maine, uh, just living in New York. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's. But this is what this is what what was always interesting about Polis is that he really stuff where it was like, no, we're not doing mass mandates, whatever. And you even had conservatives and stuff going like, yeah, why aren't you people listening to this guy? Why are you paying attention to Nurse Ratchet in Michigan as opposed to the governor in Colorado uh, who looks like projected winner, Polis 58, Ganahl 39. And I didn't, I don't know much about Ganahl. I think she was like a mega backer or whatever, however, but that's not shocking. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting that more – Democrats didn't look at Polis's approvals because he didn't have high approvals in the state of like, we're not masking. He's a Democrat governor. He's like, no, we're not going back to masking. We're not going back to any of this stuff. And instead you still have kind of like East coast slash West coast Newsom progressives still backing mask mandates, et cetera. So Uh, just a little bit. I grew up in Ohio. So I'll be watching those Ohio races too. Uh, I, I pretty much can guarantee how the rest of my family voted out there. Uh, and I expect it to go exactly the way it's going to go. Uh, I mean, Ohio still looks like Vance is going to go. Obviously, DeWine, they've called the race for. I mean, here's the thing. Ohio's a red state, and they don't want to admit it. And this is what's crazy is Florida's gotten more red. Ohio's gotten more red. But then, of course, you have purple states, which have got more blue. It's, I mean, Colorado is one that's gotten more blue, obviously. Um, but yeah, um, Ohio, I don't think you're going to see upsets. Jeffrey, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off the other night, man. Uh, I know, I know you spoke once and then I had to like cut you guys off at the last minute, but, uh, you're back. No, it's all right, man. Uh, I mean, shit, everybody likes to talk a lot, but, uh, yeah, I, I as well as Jacqueline are from the uh, free state of Florida. I, uh, I live in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Duval County. And, uh, yeah, I went and voted today after work. Uh, the uh, church that I vote at, it, the parking lot was surprisingly full, so I thought I might have to wait in line. And I didn't because Florida knows what the hell it's doing. So, uh, yeah. How long did you have to wait? How, how big of a problem was it? Um, just give me all of that stuff. I mean, this is here. And the reason I ask this stuff is because you hear problems about delayed voting in New York. You hear delayed problems of voting in Michigan or Pennsylvania or whatever. But here you have the second largest state in the entire country and they seem to have their shit in order so this this is why i ask these questions like how easy was it to just like walk up and do it how long was your wait or whatever uh real fast kim reynolds 
reelected governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds is also someone who's you should keep an eye on for a running mate in 2024. Uh, yeah. Um, no, uh, like I said, uh, yeah, the parking lot was unusually full, so I thought I might have to wait in line. But, you know, I walked up to the entrance and the guy who was standing there, you know, just pointed me to somebody. And so I walked up to them, got, you know, did my, uh, you know, verified my ID and whatnot, signed. She pointed me to somebody else. You know, I got my ballot from her. It, the numbers matched. I walked over to a unit and, you know, filled out the ballot, stuck it in the machine and in and out inside of 10 minutes. So, uh, real fast, we have numbers from Michigan. 23% in Whitmer, 51, Dixon, 47. <laughs> That's not good for Whitmer. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, it still blows my mind that we saw this week where you had media saying we need to wait for results for a week from Pennsylvania. We need to wait for a week for results from Washington. We need to wait for a week for results from Michigan. But then it's like when you get to a state the size of Florida, it's like, no, we got this. And if anything comes of, oh, we have 16,000 vote, Walker 49-3, Warnock 48-8, 80% in. That's not good for, yep, let me repeat, Walker 49.3, Warnock 48.8. You have Oliver 1.9. So I guess the libertarians are going to catch hell for this shit. But 80% in. That's not good for Warnock. Um, I guess I look at it and I say, how is it? I saw someone today tweet based on the voter malfunction today in Arizona and Maricopa County that the first thing Governor Kerry Lake should do is dispatch a team to Florida (laughs) to like figure out, like, how do you guys do things here? Um, We're at real fast. New York Governor, 36 percent in, 64 Halkel, 35 Zeldin. So that one is still eh, whatever. Um, But that's yeah, I I, this blows the mind is how our media goes goes along with um, smaller states can't get their shit together. I still think they're counting Iowa prime. I still don't think we know who won Iowa in 2020 was a Buddha judge or Bernie. We don't know. and this still blows my mind. Like, why wouldn't you emulate what other states are doing? And why wouldn't Armenia and why wouldn't other states go, oh, hey, Florida can do this well, but we can't? Uh, that's crazy to me. Uh, yeah. Yes. So, you know, that was my experience. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, say as a comment, you know, directing, you know, looking towards the future, an interesting thing that you see. When you read, you know, as I say, I'm sort of obsessed with the bulwark, but with the way they project forwards towards 2024, they always talk about how the GOP can win the electoral college, which that's an interesting, uh, interesting choice of language because traditionally winning the electoral college means they won the presidency, but you know, in this age of election denialism, you know, why not go with the other, the coded language? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I look at it and I just go, 
they they decided to just co-opt the word democracy to mean voting for my party to win. And it's a huge miscalculation in the sense of, like I said in my opening, I, I just, I think people are too smart to see that. Like democracy means single party rule. If you vote against my party, it's anti-democratic, even though the whole, the whole, part of voting is democratic it's such a generic argument and it's one that's only made online and this is what i mean about how biden is run by twitter he's he's run by the writers at the atlantic they're just the absolute fucking chin strokers at the atlantic um it, when biden held that fight they literally called it a fireside chat where you can just see him in the Oval Office and you can see Ann Applebaum and Beecham and uh, Michelis and all of those guys are just sitting there and they're all just stroking their chins about the country's in peril. Like there's a fucking army stationed outside the White House. And this this just goes down to show you how unserious the administration is and how much I don't think even Biden is in charge of it. I think they just tell him stuff. It's like, go out and do this and say this. There was the report today from SMSC that were, they, he said that he was upset at the fact that his aides told him inflation was transitory and that he was, and he was kind of blaming that. And it's like, aren't you the fucking president? Like, shouldn't you know this stuff? Why are you going out and saying things that only your aides tell you to? But we always kind of knew that that's what's going on. One of the interesting things to, that's going to that's going to be to see to come out of this is I'm really curious to see if Ron Klain isn't fired in the sense of, oh, we have Arizona 42 in Kelly, 56, 41 masters. That's eh, not good for masters, but still within whatever. It's going to be really interesting to see who comes out of because usually when. Usually when there's midterms like this, people leave, people are fired. No different than when, than when there's turnover in the terms. So it's going to be real interesting to see is, does, is, is a single person resigns or does a single person is fired over this uh, shift in power? Probably most likely in the House, maybe in the Senate. Um, and that's if nobody is, that's going to pretty much tell you that Biden's not in charge. And it will also pretty much give you an idea of what's going to happen in 2024. Jeffrey. Uh, yeah. Just uh, reach back to uh, Bill Maher's impassioned speech from last Friday. Nothing says an absence of checks and balances like a divided government. Have a good night, Steve. Yeah. It's, it's not even, like I said, it's, 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 I'm trying to think of the words. I mean, gridlock is good it, to, to be cliche about it. It's not even about being um, pro Republican, pro Democrat. It's, it's this, the process is supposed to be hard. Divided government is great even. And we saw like, even this attitude that, that this is somehow supposed to be anti-democratic. Um, no, it's the whole idea of it. And this is what's funny is this is the whole controversy that Elon Musk caused on Twitter, which was, you know, hey, if you're independent minded, you want a, you know, you want a Republican Congress with a combative Democratic president. So um, that's just kind of where we're at.
I'm going to try to get through everyone, but I'm probably going to cut off a Pierre. So we'll go through uh, Jay, Zach, Richard, Opie, Pierre. Hey, I, I feel like I'm the only one that's super not happy with how tonight's gone. Uh, Maggie Hassan has been called. Uh, Spanberger's been called in Virginia 7, which was supposed to be kind of the thought of a wave. Or not even a wave, kind of just like a, a strong night. I I just I can't I don't know. This isn't this isn't going like O'Day was called in a second. I would at least hope hold that out a little but O'Day, bit. But O'Day but O'Day has never really I, he's I, never he, been he, he he's like never left. So there's some so yeah, Spanberg so Spanberg is one where I can kind of look at you and go, Yeah, I see what you're saying. But like these three so far to me, and I'm seeing a lot of the sentiment on Twitter. I'm seeing Eric Erickson say this and a few others, uh, a, a great tweet saying perhaps it wasn't such a great idea to have every Republican in the country move to Florida. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's probably why Maloney survived. That's probably why Zeldin is going to lose. I mean, not probably, but that's probably a good reason. I think, I mean, the only wave we're seeing is in Florida. So I don't think, like all the flips so far, outside of maybe one or two, like four of them are in Florida. So I I just don't see that wave coming to the West Coast. And then we're going to sit here with a six, seven, maybe if we're ha- like real, real fast, perfect world, like real 10, fast. 10, 10 Jay, Jay, real fast. Hold on. Stop real fast. Jay's going to like this one. Shapiro is projected winner of governor in Pennsylvania over. Oh, no way. No way. Yeah, I mean, that one's expected I mean, also. Yeah, it's just like, like Mastriano was know, never I'm within kidding, eight I'm points of Shapiro. No, and, a, no, I think he's a joke. So I understand that. So my, my only argument against a wave is I, I look at it and I say, I, I guess I look at it and I look at it practicality, which is where I see the memes about a wave. And, oh, this is going to be a wipeout. It's going to be like 2014 or 2010. And my attitude is, I don't fucking care if you win the House by three seats. Like, as long as you take away a majority, it doesn't really matter. Now, there's obviously going to be lessons to be learned down the road. If Walker loses and if Oz loses, maybe the lesson there is stop letting former president Boomer Dad pick apprentice candidates. Because that's all this community really comes down to. Um, uh, we're at 82% in Georgia, 49-7 Walker, 48-3 Warnock. <laughs> Uh, that's going to a runoff. But this is my whole point is uh, to me, it doesn't really matter if there's a wave. Um, It doesn't even matter if shotgun Frankenstein wins and holds the Senate. If you take the house, it doesn't matter because basically Joe Biden's presidency is over. So I get what you're saying and I'm not, I'm not being antagonistic. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of things like this. Um, Spamberger to me was always a toss up. Hassan was always kind of a toss up. So if those go whatever, which way to me, there really hasn't been anything tonight that has gone against what is supposed to happen. So, and what I mean by that is if Val Demings beats Rubio, then I'm like, Oh shit. How did you guys get this one so wrong? So to me, it doesn't even matter if it's a wave or not. All that matters is that Joe Biden's 
stupid fucking Twitter presidency is neutered. That to me, that's literally to me all that matters. So I get what you're saying. So we're at, here we go. We're at 57% in shotgun Frankenstein, 50 Oz 47. So that one's going to go for a few days. That's what it looks like. Um, so I, I, I would just I, go ahead. I would say for the moderate candidates that the NRCC and everybody pushed millions of dollars in, that those were our like majority makers, essentially, like the fungs of the world that were leading in every poll or Jennifer Ruth Green, that was like a strong pickup opportunity. We're not winning any of those. That's what I'm concerned about. We're winning the ones we need to. And the wave in Florida has gotten us um, like four or five seats that we didn't have before. But I'm not sure that's going to lead into the West Coast. I'm confident about Nevada, but God knows what's going to happen in Arizona. And I, I just, I don't know, like, especially if Kevin McCarthy wants to be able to control the caucus and like have the majority that can stop everything, he's going to have to control a whole different bastion of that conference that he has never had to deal with before that is way more aligned with a different part of the party. So I'm not sure how coalesced they will be in terms of stopping everything if there's not a counterbalance to them with those kind of members. I I, I agree with you on all the stuff about McCarthy. Um, I... I've never been the biggest fan of McCarthy. I, I guess I look at it and I just say, I don't know who else is there. You just yeah, mentioned Jennifer right. Green, uh, W3 Indianapolis, mm -hmm. 10 minutes ago, 76 reporting, Frank Mervin or whatever, 51.6, Ruth Green, 48.4. That one's yeah. going to be close. And that that's another one where I look at and go, okay, well, political put their finger on the scale to that one. So, uh-oh. You guys aren't going to like this one. Um, oh, shit. I forgot her name. But the reporter who uh, interviewed Fetternack is at his campaign quarters. Uh, oh, God. What was her name? Someone help Dana? me. Wasn't it Dana something? Dana. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Um, here we go. Dasha Burns. There we go. Dasha Burns. Sorry. There we go. Sorry. I had to Google that one. I'm sorry. I've just been on here like two and a half hours now. Um, Dasha Burns is the report dispatched <laughs> by NBC to the Fetterman headquarters. That's great. I, I kind of like that they did that. Um, Hassan, 46 in. Boldick is 42. Um, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, that maybe this could have been like, you know, 2014 or 2010 or whatever like that. Um, I guess I still counter, I, I counter you by saying if they take the house of representatives, what is any of, what does any of it matter? And I, I get what you're saying about McCarthy holding a caucus together, but the Republicans are such a dysfunctional party anyway, to where, you know what, all I care about is like our last caller. All I really fucking care about, if I'm being honest, is gridlock. Just stop Biden from this shit. Like I still cannot get over the fact that the Inflation Reduction Act, like, just fucking Joe Manchin just caved on it. Like, I'm still, like, mouth to the floor on that. Like, you fucking idiot. Like, you moron. And if you can just stop that kind of shit from happening, just stop it. I don't care what the majority is. I don't – and I get it. I get, like, what the Senate does, and I get what governorships um, – 
I'm kind of one of those, I don't care if you win by one goal or seven. <laughs> like, yeah. And no, but I, I, a hundred percent get your concern and you know, the media is going to run with that. They're going to be like, this was a red mirage or this was a, this wasn't as good as a victory as whatever. And oh, by the way, Tim Ryan lost and he's now a good alternative for 2024. I get all of that's going to happen. And I guess my answer to you is just blatantly like, so fucking what? My response would be if we capitalized on maybe one, two, God help me, three seats, 24, that map is wide open. We could have a filibuster majority in the Senate. And if, I mean, some of the people we nominated were great. It just, I mean, apparently wasn't our year, but you would have a filibuster majority in the Senate and a hell of a lot more Republicans in the House, and you could do whatever the hell you wanted. Yeah, but I mean, that comes down to nominate better candidates. And I think you can make an argument again to this to this rate. But the MAGA ones won and the, the moderates didn't. That's why it's so like confusing. But what happens if Herschel Walker and Oz go down, which were handpicked by Trump? I mean, I, I, think, her, I think Herschel wins because it's going to go to a runoff. Oz well, is, my, I, my I, point I, in this is my point is, is that. Ultimately, I don't think anything gets proven is, is so like, let's say if Oz goes down and Herschel wins, that doesn't prove anything. We're now at 49, yeah. 6, 48, 5 Walker, by the way, um, ac- according to MSNBC, 83 percent in 49, 6 Walker, 48, 5. So Walker's pulling a little bit away. Um, but this this is kind of my point about politics is that n- nothing you ever want to be true is ever proven true. And regardless of whatever, so if I'm, so if I'm looking at something like, let's say Walker goes down and Oz goes down, me as a writer, writing for Spectator or Washington Examiner, New York Post, my my piece is going to be, maybe it's time to let Donald Trump stop picking candidates. But then let's say Oz wins and Walker goes down or vice versa. Then it's like, well, that's a fucking wash. Now I'm Matt Damon walking into my apartment at the end of The Departed. And that's (laughs) honestly what most politics is. Most of politics, it doesn't prove any of your priors. So when I say, when I look at it and I go, okay, if they take the House by five seats and they don't take the Senate, I look at it and I go, I don't really care because the House just means Biden can't get anything done for the next two years. Now, I 100% understand your concerns in the sense of, you, but I guess I look at you say you say veto-proof majority. There was never really going to be a veto-proof majority here in this election. Almost, this in, 20, one, this almost in 2014, um, and the Democrats almost had one in, 20, in 2006. But so if that's completely out of the realm of possibility anyway, then why set your expectations there? Um, let me look. Oh, God, the Libertarians totally get blamed for Georgia. Walker, 49.6. Warnock, 48.5. If neither of them get to 50%, we're going to a runoff. 83% in, 50% rule. So, Another yeah. uh, pickup in Ohio went away because that guy was a, like, <laughs> which, fake valor kind of guy. Which, which pickup are you talking about? Uh, Majewski, Ohio 9. Marcy okay. Capri 1. Yep. Okay. I haven't seen that one, so I will take your word for it. Oh, I know who you're talking. I never mind. I know who you're talking yeah, about Majewski, whoever that guy lied yep. about being, yeah, right. But that comes down. But that's my whole point. That comes down to candidates. And I know, I know. I've, I've said this about the Republicans, and I've said this about Democrats, which is 
this is my problem with the with the media putting their finger on you know the 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 scale of Hunter Biden. It's like no, this comes down to candidate choice, and this comes down to like again Herschel Walker and the abortion stories. Herschel Walker had baggage going in. Everybody knew this. Like they, everybody knew this was going to come out, and his stories of mental health and schizophrenia. I didn't so much have a problem with his stories of schizophrenia because that just means we're electing twelve extra senators. Okay, but my <laughs> whole point is, is that this comes down to candidate choice. Good candidates win, and if you don't choose good candidates, I'm looking at MSNBC's map now, and it's like red all the way to halfway through California <laughs> or no, I'm sorry, Colorado. <laughs> There's results in New Mexico, but not anywhere else. But my whole point is, is that it really does come down to candidate choice. And so I, I don't know, would McCormick be doing better than Oz in Pennsylvania? I don't know if it would or not. I guess my point is it's not so much the red wave. It's what do you learn from it? What do you learn from DeSantis carrying 16% of Hispanics in Florida. Can he do that nationwide? Can Trump do it? What do, I mean, you, do you think? From, do you think that's what, the difference between the Senate candidates and House candidates? Because a lot of the House candidates that we that were like prized recruits have lost. But the Senate candidates are the ones we're freaked out about in seats we thought were or should be safe. Is that the difference? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, the, but there was G, people freaked out about JD Vance. It looks like he's going to win. I mean, people freaked out about Blake Masters. Blake Masters to me is still up in the air. By the way, Lauren Babert is seventy-one percent in losing, fifty-two to one, fifty-two to forty-seven. Well, I mean, while we're on the conversation, seventy-one in is a lot. So that oh. could be an interesting seat. Um, <laughs> Again, I, I don't think I don't think you can attach. Jane Coaston makes this example about what Trump and Trumpism is. It's Trumpism hasn't really proven to be something that pans out. Oh, like, and what she means by that is only Trump can do what Trump does, right? Nobody can really transfer what he does over. Now, I would argue Carrie Lake is probably the closest person who does. Um. But as far as like, quali- I mean, it looks like JD Vance is going to win. That's, and, and I wouldn't argue, and you might be, di- and you might look at this differently, but I would argue Oz to me and Herschel Walker are 100% handpicked candidates by Trump. He handpicked them to run in those races. Does yeah. that mean that's the reason they won? Eh, I don't know, but he did. Would you, would you argue that JD Vance belongs on Celebrity Political Apprentice the way that? Herschel Walker or Oz does. I don't know. Some people might. So I guess I look at it and I go, I I don't really look at things in the, in the lens of establishment versus not establishment. I think it comes down to candidate quality, whatever. JD Vance is good because he grew up there and he knows, he, he, he knows how to tap into a populist message of drug use uh, jobs being traded away through globalism and factories closing. And he, he just knows that because he's lived there. Herschel Walker, he's lived in Georgia and he did pretty good at football. Um, yeah, now, but I, I also don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I grew up in Denver and I argued if John Elway ran for fucking Senate, he'd win and he wouldn't have to do on anything other than the helicopter video. So yeah, I'm not I'm insulting from, I'm you. From Atlanta, I'm from Atlanta. I don't live there. Now. I live in DC now, but. Herschel Walker's a legend, but also I know David Perdue very well. And if he didn't, 
do what he did to Kemp and he ran again, he would he would beat Warnock in a heartbeat. Right. He got so, more he got more votes in twenty twenty than Trump did in Georgia. Right. And I mean Georgia Georgia's a Georgia's an interesting state in the sense of like you can oppose Trump and still win everything. And so mm-hmm. and if you look at Yunkin, for example, Yunkin's not someone who was really anti-Trump, but he didn't he he's just like, I can win this on my own. And he did. And that's kind of to me maybe what DeSantis could do in 24, which is it's like, I'm not anti or pro-Trump. I'm just going to run this race on my own and voters will decide. Um, so I just, I look at it and I go, it comes down to candidate quality. And I don't really, uh, we have New Hampshire governor Sununu has beaten Sherman, which is, you know, people want Sununu to run for Senator there, which he probably would have won. And that was another one. Um, but I, I look at it and I just go, I think it just comes down to Canada quality. I, I don't really look at things through the, through the lens of waves and establishment. Um, I, I guess I look at it and I'm like, if they, if the, if the Republican Party just takes one of the two, if they take the House or the Senate, I don't care if they get anything done for the next two years. I really genuinely don't. All I care about is that it's now a blockade for Joe Biden. Can't pull any of his fucking bullshit anymore. And that's it. And if Joe Biden loses one of those, if he loses the Senate or the House, it ultimately, the conversation isn't GOP gains. It's, does Joe Biden run again? And now it's Democrats in disarray. And is it Kamala? Is it affable, white, cis male, gay, Mayor Pete? Is it Gavin Newsom? And I'm completely comfortable letting them just tear each other apart having that conversation because the old 80 year old man can't do anything anymore fair enough i one thing i would say like this is kind of unrelated now but youngkin campaigning for all the swing quote-unquote swing states or swing districts in virginia and then going to Kerry, going to tudor dixon going to uh, Michaels in Wisconsin, if they all lose, is he, did that just destroy whatever like gravitas or anything he has? Uh, maybe, but you're also looking at hard states. Like, if if Youngkin goes and in campaigns for Tudor Dixon in Michigan and Tudor Dixon still loses. Michigan is still a bluish purplish state. So I will look at that and I would say, I mean, you could make the argument. I wouldn't argue with you on that because you would look at it and say, you know, if Obama goes and campaigns for Mark Kelly in Arizona and Kelly loses that on Obama. So I get the argument, but everything you just named are still pretty up in the air, bluish purple places. Um, If, if you have like a red state, so if you have, let, let's argue Georgia, if Youngkin goes and, you know, campaigns for Herschel Walker and Walker loses by three or four, then yeah, you can look at that and go, huh. So it depends on, I think that all again depends on the demographics of where they go. Um, it depends on the message. I guess I look at it and I say Youngkin is someone who's proven he personally can win in a blue state. It doesn't really matter where he goes. Makes sense. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Jay, thank you. This, this was a, this was a fun one. So I appreciate you calling it. Yep. Yep. Cheers. Let's go to Zach. 
I'm waiting for Jay to drop here so we don't have background noise, but whatever. No, you're okay. Zach, you're up. Sorry to cut you off last time. It's all right. It's not like I'm dying and and you may have not yeah. gotten to hear the last yeah, word. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that one. Yeah. I knew that. I knew it was like, yeah. if I don't take him, he's going to die. Yeah, yeah. Or at least I'll bring it up to make you feel bad and then it'll it'll get reported all over the media that Rich D's cuts off cancer patient who dies three days later. They'll blame you like they blame you. Yeah, no, they would expect expect me to do that. So that's the whole thing about like the whole brand I've crafted. They'd be like, of course he cut off. Of course he didn't take the. Yeah, well, um. If if you want some fun news, I actually just looked, and Shotgun Frankenstein is now below fifty percent. He's still up. Where, where did you see that? Low. I haven't he, looked. Uh, I believe that was on the. Uh, I'm on the NBC map. It says right now he's at forty nine six, and Oz is forty seven point eight. Um, forget politics and forget party. I mean, Fetterman, in my mind, has to lose just so we say as a country, we can't ever fucking try this kind of stunt again, ever. Like, uh, we just saw some of the resistance heroes uh, panning the fact that Greg Abbott just won re-election and governor. Beto O'Rourke is officially done. And, and I'm kind of sitting here going, how is this not ableism? Like you're cheering on a stroke victim who can't understand words without three monitors in front of him. But now you're sad that a man in a wheelchair, this, I, I think people misunderstand my objection to Fetterman. Forget politics. I don't care about, cause I don't think he can even process politics. It's this idea that if a, if a, someone with brain damage wants to be a Senator, we have to let them. And who are you to stand in their way? And that's kind of, to me, the natural end of progressivism. And we can't let that happen. <laughs> it's just, that's it. Like, you, we can't get to the point to where it's like literal brain damage victims who don't understand words or intelligence briefings can be U.S. senators. That, to me, is the most important reason why Fetterman has to lose. It's not, it has nothing to do with his politics. It has to do with... This is unacceptable in the sense of the same reason why you can't let people in wheelchairs be firefighters. And it's not ableism to say things like that. Sure, if you want to be a dispatcher, great, and you can be in a wheelchair, and then you can just answer calls. But to actually be someone who has to, like, go pull someone out of a burning building, no, you cannot be that person. And that, to me, is the biggest thing about this entire situation. That, to me, is why Fetterman has to lose is it's not about his politics. It's about we cannot get to the point where it's like, if the if the retarded man wants to be a senator, who are you to stop him? And that, to me, is like, again, it's the natural end of inclusivity. Well, I, I understand what you're saying, but we have a president who talks to dead people unironically and... Uh, you know, you well, no. In, fa- in fairness, Herschel here's Walker. the thing. In fairness, in defense of Biden, we don't have an actual diagnosis of Biden. We just have what we see. With Fetterman, we we know we have an actual diagnosis of a guy who is di- diagnosed with AFib, 
who didn't take care of himself for five years. And that to me is the whole argument. If you can't take care of yourself to the point where you have a fucking stroke, then how the fuck are you going to take care of anyone in Pennsylvania, especially from the United States Senate where you're not going to do anything. And so, no, I, I get it. But with Biden, it's all kind of like, I have a relative who acts like that. But with Fetterman, you have an actual diagnosis and you have a candidate who has refused to release his medical records. It's the it's the zenith of, of hypocrisy and the epitome of just you cannot allow a candidate like this to get away with this. You, we cannot allow we cannot do it. And it has nothing to do with I don't care if it's he's pro-choice. I don't care if he's a Democrat. You cannot get to the point where it's like we allow Terry Scheibler to be a senator because she just won. Yeah, although uh, I'm kind of in the boat that if we had a government made up of Terry Schiavo's and they couldn't do anything, then they couldn't fuck anything up. Because the ones now that can read and talk and discuss things, they tend to um, fuck up everything they touch. And so maybe we should start sending the the giant uh, the giant retards with. Um, things growing out of their necks to, to the Senate. There, there is that argument, which is like, are we really going to send someone with severe cognitive brain damage to the Senate? <laughs> and everyone just shrugs and goes, haven't we been doing that for like the last 60 years? Yeah. And um, in, in my state, there, there were no surprises. Um, although this is, this is anecdotal because I didn't keep track but I saw a ton of posts, both on Facebook and Twitter, hopping up the Democrat who was running for governor. And he lost by 20 points and the race was called within like an hour of the polls closing. But he was the one that I saw all over the place. Uh, real fast. Uh, uh, what's her name? Secretary Katie Hobbs of Arizona says it will take a few days to count ballots here in the state. Quote, I have every confidence that the counties administering this election conducted a free and fair election and their results will be accurate. Here we go again. Um, yeah, it just, there's a saying, I believe it's, it's uh, Harlan's razor that's never attributed to malice. What can be attributed to stupidity? I, I guess I look at it and I just say, how can a state like Florida count all of their ballots in three hours in Arizona needs? Well, remember, Florida always had problems with Miami-Dade. Like, that was a county that just, um, they had the election. Um, whoever was running the elections there, her name was Brenda. And, you know, it's like eight o'clock. We got to have it. What do you have, Brenda? I still have a hundred thousand votes somewhere. And they're like, no, what do you have? And uh, DeSantis, one of the first things he did was he removed her as well as the, um, the sheriff uh, responsible for. Uh, real fast, real and, fast. We have a call. J.D. Vance wins Ohio. 
can't say that was too shocking. And Fox uh, News has called New Hampshire for Hassan. So New Hampshire seems like a blown opportunity, but uh, J.D. Vance is. Yep. So Tim Ryan will be, he'll be on all the uh, talk shows. And <laughs> yeah. be, be Tim Ryan will be on Morning Joe tomorrow pr- uh, promoting his 2024 presidential campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody said, I think it was, it might've been political or the Washington post said, uh, Somebody predicted it was National Review who I think predicted that Tim Ryan would be the de facto candidate who loses this election that they would all say actually won and could be a roadmap for 2024. And that's exactly what happened. I, th- I think it was National Review. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it amazes me uh, how, and it's not just. I mean, it is Democrats when they lose elections, but, but government officials in general, just, they always seem to fail upwards. And it, I've never had that luxury, but um, it must be nice oh, to, to be hold a Hold on, we have another huge upset. We have another called huge upset. Are we ready? This one's a shocker. Decision Desk HQ predicts that Gavin Newsom has been re-elected governor of California. Well, it was a good race. <laughs> I, I, was I don't close. even know who he's running against. <laughs> it, was... it was close, yeah. Uh, all I can think is California gets exactly what they deserve. Like, all the problems you have... The fact that I have to bill you double for your state tax returns because of all the extra shit I have to do. You voted for this. You deserve it. Um, And I'll let you go with this. We actually have, sorry, my roommate's getting nice. Uh, We actually have a former Trump spokesperson who is now our governor-elect. And she um, can't be any worse than than Hutchinson, who is term limited and leaving. That guy never met a position that he wouldn't flip on just for a little blowback from social media. He was the most spineless politician I've seen in a long time. Uh, it's what's funny. Hutchinson has been floated as a presidential candidate as well, um, by certain sects of media. And it's, it's one of those where it, it's sort of kind of like Cheney where it's like, eh, okay. I mean, when you really get down to it, 2024 is basically between maybe three or four people. Um, Liz Cheney, despite her starting a political organization, like she, she, she might run in 2024. Oh, one more. We have another, we have another one. We have another, uh, huge upset who, uh, this, this one is really going to hammer people. Nancy Pelosi is a projected winner, California house district elect. Well, of course, you can't vote against the 
the woman whose husband was just attacked. Did you, did you guys by see? A naked guy with the so hammer. I threw out my crazy, crazy prediction. So a couple, and I've gotten shit for this, by the way, but like either two columns ago, I threw out that my most crazy conspiracy theory is that Nancy Pelosi staged the attack on her husband. With his knowledge, they just said, don't worry, honey, we'll wait till the cops show up and then it'll hit you and it'll be fine. She came out. <laughs> so I have people giving me shit over this. She came out yesterday and this was, this is when she sat down with an interview with CNN. One, she said, they haven't even talked about it. And two, she said, Pelosi says her, de- her decision to stay in her leadership position after the midterms will be impacted by the violent attack on her husband. Quote, the decision will be affected about what happened the last week or two. <laughs> I said that to people. They were like, oh, my God, you're right. Like, they're, she totally had her husband clubbed. Uh Brian Kemp is officially been in. Brian Kemp is reelected as governor of Georgia, so my sources are good. Um, what you mean is that Brian Kemp stole the election from stole Stacey the, Abrams? Again. Oh, I can't wait to watch what she says. This, this, oh, I'm yeah. halfway between full concession or she's still going to come out and say Jim Crow. Um, but yeah, Brian Kemp has defeated Stacey Abrams, which was another one. We have uh, breaking R to D flip Ohio 13. Amelia Sykes wins election in the U.S. House, so Democrats flip the seat. So there's something on. Uh oh, nope, we got here. Breaking Stacey Abrams has called Governor Brian Kemp to concede the race for Georgia governor per. Well, I mean, what's she gonna what's she gonna use for her grift now? That's that's the real question. Uh, I yeah. I foresee a contributor gig in her future. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And um, I, I'll leave you with this. I know some people have said, you know, this isn't what they were expecting and maybe they were thinking something like uh 2010 uh the map in 2010 was the absolute perfect map for republicans especially coming off obamacare being rammed through and so that was a case of a lot of Democrats up for election and the Democrats had just pushed, you know, that monstrosity through. And so, I mean, they basically dressed as lambs and walked into a pack of wolves is what they did in 2010. And the map this time was just not as good. Yeah, what we're seeing here, Decision Desk is saying Republicans' chances of winning the House are dropping significantly all of a sudden. So, uh, Amy Walter, who's someone I like, by the way, uh, Cook Political Report is saying in the last four midterms elections, the out party has won independent voters by double digits. Exit polls show Democrats winning Indies by 1.4948, saying this is why things are so close. 
So, like I said, if if they take one, I'm I'm fine taking one by one or two seats. I don't really care. Um, if if they don't take it, then you have to look at it as an absolute disaster. Um, and then as well as the Senate. So the Senate to me was always kind of up for grabs. If they don't take the House, that's something that clearly is written off as a disaster. So I guess we'll see. So, Zach, I'll give you one final word, and then I'm going to go on to Richard Pierre, and I'll end with Dr. Um, Roller. I mean, I, um, I don't guess I'm surprised by anything because you just – I've seen a lot of weird stuff. Um, so I, I just hope that they take one body and there's just total gridlock and the media cries about democracy being dead. So I have enough content to continue mocking them on Twitter, which after Elon took over, I will say, like, my account has become much more active. Like, there are a lot more people liking and retweeting and replying to me. And so I don't know. I was probably on the uh, on the bad naughty list at Twitter, so not as many people were seeing what I was tweeting, but that seems to be gone. So between that, the media meltdown, I'm, I'm okay with everything happening. I mean, what the hell? It's just some chaos. Chaos is good. Uh, thanks, Zach. Good to hear from you. I, I let the cat, I let the cancer patients say his, part so there so now we go uh we'll go with richard pierre and dr roller to roll uh i mean where are we at here oh we just went over two hours wow it's like 11 p.m i think richard probably fell asleep i'm gonna move on uh oh shit i just lost pierre oh no he's there go ahead pierre oh shit pierre jump back in the queue sorry that was a glitch uh i'll take dr Rollergator and then pierre please jump back in the queue and we'll finish with you i apologize getting a bit late for you isn't it <laughs> yeah um, it's not it's not the, it's not that like it's the mileage <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not the distance it's the mileage you know it's like yeah it's I'm sitting here. I'm so here's what's funny is I'm sitting here. I'm looking at, I'm looking at MSNBC on quiet. So I'm, I'm listening to you guys, but I have an iPad here in front of me. I have my Mac in front of me. And all of a sudden I'm seeing like doom and gloom all over Twitter. So it looks like they, they may not even take the house. So I don't really even know what's happening. If I'm being honest, I'm listening to you guys and uh, I'm looking at, you know, uh, well, here's a good one. Mike Lee, 60% in. McMullen, 36 14%. So that looks good for Mike Lee. But I'm sitting here reading things about how this isn't a wave and they might not take the house. And I'm sitting and, and I don't know why. So this is one of these things where I have four things in front of me and I'm going to have to hang up on all of you assholes. You're not. Thank you for joining um, and then I'm going to have to go back and look at, okay, why did this or not happen? Like, what races are they losing? Um, but it still seems like everyone's pissed. Like, J.D. Vance just won, and everyone, like, entire Twitter looks pissed off. Um, 
But here's Amanda Becker from the 19th News. Democrats are performing better in governor's races. Uh, but Brian Kemp won. Uh, uh, just called. Kathy, Kathy Halkel wins the race for New York governor. Um, but the attitude always seems to me is like Z- Lee Zeldin was never supposed to win that. Also, MSNBC is using a photo of Gavin Newsom from like 20 years ago. So that's a funny one. Um, so Kathy Halkel's have been announced to win the New York governor's race. So I guess I look at this and I go, that's closer than it should have been. But nobody was expecting Zeldin to win. The whole reason that became close is just because of people saying, um, hey, this is a close race. But Halka was maybe always supposed to win because of the Democrats. So I'm looking at some of this attitude on social media and stuff, and I'm like, I don't see anything yet that is a huge upset. I don't see anything yet that suggests this is not a huge wave. And, and I get that a wave is 30, 40 seats, whatever. But Abrams lost. Um, that's a big one. J.D. Vance has won Ohio. Everything that I've seen tonight, other than maybe – Boldick in New Hampshire seems to me going pretty much according to plan, which is still the GOP winning the House of the Senate. So that's kind of where I'm, I don't know, that's where I'm at. I'm going to have to go back and look at, I'm like, Eric Erickson's in panic mode. And I'm kind of like, what? Like, why are you in panic mode? I guess if Walker loses, if Oz loses. Um, so I'm still looking at this going like, I don't, care i don't care if they take the house by one seat um I, maybe i have a different view of politics governor of new york has just been called 50 percent even halkel 60 zeldin 39 so that's another one but go ahead oh well i want to i want to uh, sort of sidetrack a little bit to the goings on on twitter this week um you know the being uh, you know election day uh, now and Elon taking over, uh, everyone is aware of the Hunter Biden laptop fiasco in the 2020. But one thing that Twitter did that was fairly, fairly devious that went un, unchecked and unannounced really, um, was, were modifications to the user interface that everyone at the time sort of recognized because it annoyed everyone. But as it, um, as it lingered and then finally got undone after the election, a few weeks after the election, um, it never really got brought up again. And that was when they changed the way that uh, retweeting worked. So you may not remember this, but most people should uh, if they so, were on Twitter at the fast, time. The one thing I noticed is how yeah. they changed how likes worked. So one of, one of, just to give people, we have Fetterman at 49.3, Oz at 48.2, 74% reporting. Yay. Um, one of the things that likes worked is, so I always only had one like, and this is kind of a funny inside joke, is Pierce Morgan's tweet saying, I want to die. <laughs> that was my only like ever in the history of Twitter. Well, they changed likes to popularity so if you liked a tweet that got four thousand likes likes became that tweet and that was literally one of like uh we have walker at 49.5 warnock at 48.5 i hated how they changed likes in the last month this was right prior to when musk took over um i didn't notice retweets but i just wanted to throw that context out there that i really enjoyed the fact that i only had one like tweet and it was pierce morgan saying he <laughs> uh well no so what they did was they before the election 
weeks leading up, I don't remember exactly the time span, but weeks leading up, what they did was they changed the way that retweets worked. And in right now, if you were to go on, on and try to retweet something, you'll get, you'll push the button and you'll get two options. You can either retweet, retweet regular or do a quote tweet. And what they did was they actually removed the retweet feature and everything became a quote tweet. And they did this leading up into the election so that they announced this on their like, you know, uh, Twitter update feed and they made a video trying to hype it up. And they said that the reason they wanted to do this was because during, you know, during election period, passions get inflamed and we want people to to think about what they're doing and maybe contribute extra comments to the conversation. We want them to, instead of just blindly retweeting articles out, we want them to add their thoughts and contemplate what they want to say about this, this topic. And that was their justification for changing everything to only, only quote tweets. But on the side, what they did with their, you know, uh, with their friends in, in media, you know, the, the, the progressive section sort of controls most of the tech blogs and the, the, the tech magazines. They all gave them sort of a heads up and articles were released on that side on how to bypass this quote tweet feature. So if you were to do this quote tweet and not make any comments, it would submit a regular retweet. So you don't have to make the comment. And the, the, so the like sort of instructions on how to bypass it got sent to all of those outlets and, and of course got shared around. But then the average user, the average user is just going on the interface and not understanding why it's not working. And so the result was that most people didn't understand you could just not comment and it would retweet normal. And so people were adding periods or, or tiny comments like this is outrageous to whatever they were sharing. And over time, the original content wound up being sort of hidden inside of this, this onion layer of quote tweets. And that was one way that they were sort of controlling, uh, flow of, of independent news from spreading inside of the network because now all of the main news feeds would just be sharing their articles. And so you'd have, you know, the, the official, the official nodes set sharing their articles on the main feed and, and people attempting to quote tweet whatever they might have gotten from, like, let's say the post millennial or other sort of, uh, you know, uh, more independent blog, blogs, PJ media or whatever, they would be wound up in this quote tweet onion layer and eventually getting lost. And so you'd have to go through several clicks uh, to, to get down to the actual original content. And that actually slowed the way that information was shared. So that was just one of the things that they did uh, leading up to the election. And they, it was, it wasn't until about, I think three to four weeks after the election um, when certain things were uh, uh, dying down and it was more like a solid win for, for Biden that they actually released it. So they actually changed it back and they're like, okay, well, we're done now with this feature. And it was always, it was always about content uh, manipulation and trying to manipulate the spread of, of information through the networks. And that's one of the nefarious things they did that I'm hoping isn't even a threat with the new Musk takeover. Cause that was some bullshit. <laughs> um, I think what's interesting and, and just listening to you and stuff like that. Um, I thought the, the most revealing tweet to me was when Bloomberg said tw uh, Twitter relieved all of these teams. And, and you're someone who's, who seems like you're into this stuff and like that. So when Musk relieved all of the curation teams, 
and the the Twitter safety teams and whatever. And then Bloomberg comes out with a tweet that says, and a story, not just a tweet that says, um, relieving all of these teams has severely undermined Twitter's ability to monitor elections. And I thought, do you fucking people think that Twitter is the UN? Like, which we learned, we learned like Twitter was working with the UN on what people could say via human rights on Twitter, but that didn't apparently involve Iran or China. And that one to me, and I talked about this in the podcast today, was so revealing in the sense, FYI, Christy Nome is one, hot. Um, that was so revealing to me in the sense of the amount of emphasis that journalists and media companies actually invested into Twitter when the inflated sense of importance, it was them that always put the inflated sense of importance into Twitter. So like you said about disabling retweets ahead of elections, like it was crazy to me the amount of attention journalists put onto Twitter ahead of the, the midterm elections to the point to where I even started making jokes about it to like um, a dude cut up his roommate in New York with a chainsaw. And I was just like really ahead of the U S midterm elections. Like it just became kind of a meme when only like three to 4% of the country is on Twitter and only 3% of us actually contribute to the platform. And so this whole idea that even that Twitter can affect the outcome of elections, this is the whole point of it to me is that neither in 2016 or 2020, is there any proof that anything that happened on Twitter had anything to do with the outcome of the election? And yes, I will include the Hunter Biden laptop story and anyone who follows me and anyone who listens to my podcast knows that to me, this is the most outrageous act of media endorsed censorship, maybe in our most recent history. But do I think that censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story had anything, would that have, would that have changed the course of the election? No, I don't think that, but that's even the point where it's more important than that election, Mike, because they know that if they can get away with doing that, they're going to just take it to another degree in either this election, which thank God we didn't see, or the next election. And so I don't even care that so much they did it to influence 2020. I care that they did it in the sense of they're just going to, they're just going to ramp it up and even do more. And that's why it was so important for Elon Musk to show Vijaya Gad and Leachman or whatever her name is, uh, the door, because these were people who all, all your mission should be to do is to maintain a social media platform. Right. And I get content moderation. I don't have a problem with content moderation, but content moderation turned into, we need to ban Alex Jones for stuff, or we need to ban learn to code. And whenever people like me asked, why are you doing this? We never got an explanation for it. And then we learned that Vijay Gad is working with Nina Jankovics in the Department of Homeland Security and um, all the, the trust and safety team to de-boost and boost accounts. And this is where I'm kind of like, how is what Elon Musk is doing any, anything more of a threat to democracy than you people freezing a story from the New York Post. And that, again, had nothing to do with what Donald Trump is. It had nothing to do with, do I think that Donald Trump should have lost or won the 2020 election? No, I don't think that that is completely beyond the point. 
the point is, is that if you're going to do that, what else are you going to try? And so, sorry, I have a French bulldog story behind me, but my point is, is that people are arguing. The, the craziest thing to me is that everyone on Twitter right now is arguing over the banning of Kathy Griffin. And I'm sitting here going, did you notice like not a single account was banned today for saying, hey, what's going on in Maricopa County? And no, I'm not talking about conspiracies. I'm not talking about vote rigging. I'm not talking about any of that. All I'm simply talking about is there were 20% of all voting machines shut down in Maricopa County, Arizona today. That was a real thing that happened. Uh, 75% in, Fetterman 49.2, Oz 48.3. Yay, that one's going on for days. Um, So even the mere fact that people are going, hey, what's going on in Maricopa County? That would have been shut off of Twitter two weeks ago. Like, but today it's like you can simply go, hey, there's there's some shit happening. 20% of voting machines are shut down. And that's not being banned. And that to me is at least what Twitter should be. I don't like the spreading conspiracy theories. But the problem is, is that when, as we stated earlier, to bring this back to the whole circle of life, Simba, when you have the secretary of state also running for governor who also fucked up 6,000 ballots being not being sent out to people via military families. And then there's problems with voting machines, not nefarious. I've stated that people are going to start going, Hey, what's the problem? And if people are going to do that on Twitter, then so be it. That's, that's not the problem. The problem is the fact that this it's happening in the first place. So I know this is kind of like a weird tangent from what you were saying, um, but in in my opinion, to kind of go back to what you're saying, to just wrap this all up, is I think Twitter needs to get rid of the quote tweet feature completely. And that's coming from someone who likes to use it. <laughs> I'm 100% someone, I have no problem like hanging someone's tweet on the wall and telling my, you know, 400,000 followers to go, hey, look at this stupid shit. Get rid of the quote tweet completely. Um, Just go back to the retweet. Go back to the manual retweet and just be done with it. Um, But here's here's another interesting thing. And I'll let I'll let Dr. Roll Alligator wrap up with this because this is kind of his thing is I haven't seen the kind of paranoid. Holy shit. This thing spreading on Twitter is going to cost us the election happening on Twitter tonight. And I kind of wonder what that's going to do to the whole stolen democracy narrative tomorrow. Um, It certainly looks like it's not a wave. It looks like it's one of these two houses is going to fall. Maybe Um, the interest, the most interesting race so far tonight is Babert looks like she might go down in Colorado, which I don't have a real problem with. Um, But I'm sitting here looking at the fact that the Twitter's curation team is gone. The, uh, the truth and integrity team is gone. And based on my own timeline, I'm not seeing a whole lot of spread of disinformation or, well, we have another one in Wisconsin. Uh, Ron Johnson, uh, shit, they changed it. But Ron Johnson looks like only up by one or two with 70 in. Um, Back to what I was saying is it doesn't look like there's a whole ton of disinformation spreading on Twitter or anything based on what I'm seeing and what I'm following. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that all just suddenly disappears and how 
Elon Musk suddenly isn't a threat to democracy tomorrow because there wasn't a red wave. Uh, Dr. Rollergator, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, it, well, I mean, there weren't, there weren't any, you know, nannying, uh, you know, learn more about the, the election updates underneath of like any, any tweet that was just talking about the election. Hold on, I real mean, fast. It, uh, sorry to interrupt. 15,000 votes. Uh, uh, Herschel Walker, 49-2. Warnock, 48-8. So uh, Herschel Walker is within 0.8 of getting to 50. Well, so, I mean, when they when they first started doing a couple of those notifications where it's like, you know, they're adding context below below the tweets and stuff like that, you know, that maybe a subject or two, you can kind of understand why they were doing that. But they started doing that basically with every every topic. And, it, and it, they kind of showed over time that if you if you give them an inch, they will take a mile. They They just overdid every single concept that they had to to sort of nudge things around. And I think that's where it just became untenable, where it just seemed like active involvement. This one, is... sorry, sorry to interrupt. One last one. Uh, per Mike Emanuel of Fox News, Fox News can project Mich- that Michigan Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer will prevail over Tudor. The, 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 they really were solidifying that idea of like an in- incestuous relationship sort of all up and down the chain in between all of the people who are former staff members of, of democratic, uh, you know, committees or, or, or campaigns who get upper level jobs at, at, at either news, news organizations or the social networks. And like this, just this free flowing revolving door of people who were all just dictating what we could talk about online. It was really getting absurd now that now that musk has taken over if they don't do any of that it's going to be refreshing because after they after they finally turned off that that um quote tweet only uh ui feature and about like four weeks after the election they did a they did a um a post analysis of of their results and they said well it turns out we thought it would enhance conversation but it turns out that most people were just putting a period on their quote tweets because they didn't realize that that they could retweet if they just didn't add anything. So they, they thought they had to add something to send it. And that was a mistake. It's like, no, that's what you intended for, but okay. <laughs> so I just, I just a little optimistic that that stuff's going to be gone in the ne- you know, for the next two years, maybe we'll have a breather and actually can just normally talk about shit. The one thing I've noticed, it, it, the one thing people have told me the most is they just want, they want Twitter to be fun again and this is this is what's interesting to me in the sense of what social media should be and i said this on i went on what was it 2017 i went on ben smith's podcast on buzzfeed which was funny because when he invited me on i was just like and anyone who knows me knows i was buzzfeed's like harshest critics back then i think buzzfeed ruined journalism i still do and so he invited me on. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll go on. I will do anything that will ruin anyone's reputation, including mine. And I basically said, the simple fact you guys don't get Fetterman is now 49.2, Oz 48.3, 79 in. Um, the thing that I said is the thing you don't get about social media is most people don't take it that seriously. And the fact that journalists take it as their life and work while most people just take it to just shit on things, whether it's laughing or 
uh, memes or shit posting is like the fact that if we're funnier than you, you're going to lose. And the thing that I've seen about Musk with Twitter over the last week is just make it fun again. Don't ban people for memes, okay? You fine, ban people for racist language. Nobody, ca- I don't think that many people care about that. But don't like ban people for memes. Don't ban people for learn to code. Don't ban people for stupid innocuous bullshit. And I talked about this in the podcast today, which is this is kind of what the Kathy Griffin thing was, is celebrities for 10, 15 years have felt invincible on Twitter. They can post anything. They can post anti-Semitic memes. Ice Cube did it even two years ago, and he was like, that's fine. Um, And then you saw what Kathy Griffin, this is what I talked about in the podcast today, where they started impersonating Musk, claiming it was parody, but it wasn't like... (laughs) These people are being celebrities like Kathy Griffin were being suspended equally for violating terms of service. So while you saw journalists and you saw people like Kara Swisher being like free Kathy Griffin, the rest of us were like, dude, you've had accounts being suspended over jokes and memes for like Kathy Griffin's Twitter account was wasn't even suspended over holding up a headless ISIS video of Donald Trump's head. And most people were fine with that. Most people were like just questioning, okay, how is she not banned for that? But you're banned for learn to code or whatever. And most people coming down on that didn't want Kathy Griffin banned. They were just simply questioning the other bands. And this is the biggest point I think I made on the podcast today, which was Twitter under Jack Dorsey and under what it was under previous ownership loved picking the little political fights it's easy to ban milo yiannopoulos we all get that and i'm not going to be someone that sits here and goes no bring milo back it's easy to ban laura loomer for her just insane obnoxious racist bullshit it really is the true test of your company is when like sean king does it or a celebrity with two million followers does it And we always saw for 10 years that nobody did that. Twitter didn't ban those accounts. Suddenly, Elon Musk gets Twitter. A bunch of celebrities who, for I don't even think people can tell you why they hate him. (laughs) This is the funniest thing. They all bought his fucking car. Like, they can't even tell you. Other than the fact that he came out and said, I like free speech. Oh, that's white supremacy. So, Kathy Griffin and a bunch of other journals and blue checks we're just being parody, change their avatar to impersonate. Impersonation has always been against Twitter's rules. So suddenly it's now being enforced. And then you have shit stained shit heels like Ben Collins come in and go, well, yes, that's true, but they were never banned on the first offense. That's telling more about you than it is about Twitter's terms of service. To me, I look at it and I go, oh, wow. Suddenly Twitter's terms of service are being applied equally And that seems to be Elon Musk's whole thing. We're going to give verification equally. If you're willing to pay $8, uh, 51% in, Hobbs 56, Carrie Lake 43. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. Um, If you're willing to pay for verification for just your identity, then people are going to do that. But Musk is right in the sense of, verification is meant as a status symbol. And Twitter proved that when they took away Miley Yiannopoulos' badge. 
I'm not a defender of my Annapolis. Anyone knows this of me. I, I, I don't care. But Twitter basically said, as a punishment for your whole Leslie Jones thing, we're going to take away your verification badge. And it's kind of like, but he's still him. So you're basically admitting it's a status symbol. So if all Elon Musk does is level the field, that's a good thing, even if it's not to like celebrities and whatever. And if that causes celebrities to just check out, who who are the biggest celebrities that left Twitter? What, Ron Perlman? Um, like what? Who, who cares? Of course they're going to come back. So I guess I, I just, I look at, what so far what Elon Musk is doing and I just say I'm not a, I'm not an Elon Musk guy I'm not an Elon Musk thumper but I look at it and I say he understands what social media at least should be more than what Ben Collins at MSNBC thinks it is and that's mainly because Elon Musk is also working with Jason Galkanis he's working with David Sachs hi David this is his platform too and they understand kind of like Social media should be a leveling playing field. And anyone, so if it's me or if it's Dr. Roller Gator, who has a good sub stack, go look at it. If you want to be verified, you can also do journalism. You can do stories and you can do things that people are interested. And largely what happened to Twitter in the last two to three years, ever since Trump or Hunter Biden is, no, Twitter is a platform for journalists and we're going to put out our content with our blue check and you're going to listen. And oh, by the way, we're going to turn off replies. And so it's a good thing that it got away from that. And it's a good thing that they're all freaking out about that. And I don't know. I don't know what Elon Musk is going to do with Twitter, but I think it's kind of, they're kind of trying to back you into a corner and saying, if you admit so far that it's, good and it's better, then you should be shamed. And I'm going to be one of the first guys to say right now it's better. You don't have the stupid fucking sidebar contextualizing conversations. As I said on Twitter, we don't need our conversations contextualized. We can do this. We did for seven years where we all just had our own little things and you have memes. And it's, again, I would argue kind of the point that, uh, Dr. Oligator is saying is that like, t- make Twitter fun again. Don't make it to the point where you can't even make a joke like the Babylon Bee about Rachel Levine as a man getting banned again. And I think if you make Twitter fun again, as we saw, there was an uptake. Uh, Walker 49.2, Warnock 48.8. The fucking libertarian is 2%. <laughs> it's going to be a three-way race. Um, but my point is, is like Twitter used to be fun. Regardless of how you look at it, it was it was just fun. You could do things, you could post memes, you could say things. And really, the learn to code incident was really where it changed for people, where it was like, wait, we can't even make jokes anymore on this platform. And I, I think the tweet with Elon Musk saying comedy is legal on Twitter, that's going to be the biggest test, honestly. And it, no, it's, it has nothing to do with identity impersonation. That was a telling story about Oh, oh, good. Stephen Hayes from the Dispatch is coming up on NBC. That'll be fun. Um, but he said comedy but legal, and they took it as you can legally impersonate someone, and we all saw through that. It was like, 
no, you're impersonating someone. This has always been the terms of service. This has always been against, and you will always get your account banned. Uh, people like Ben Collins, if if Red Skis would have changed his avatar to Ben Collins and his name to Ben Collins, and I went, Pizzagate's real, I would have been banned in an instant, and they all know it. Um, just to kind of wrap up, and I'll give Roller Gators final thoughts, but my, my point is that the thing I've heard the most from people, and I'm kind of included in this, is just make it fun again. Make it worth your while to come on and see people making statements, making jokes, making memes, following accurate stories, because I'm one of those people that falls in the middle of all of that. I'm one of those people where it's trolling, but it's also funny. Um, I try to present news accurately. I try to present accurate opinions and just make it fun again. And for the last three or four years, it just really feels like if you step out of line, you're just getting a shot in the head. Uh, well, I'll let Roller Gator wrap up. I'm going to give you a full 20 minutes because that'll make us an even three hours. And we're officially beyond the time limit of Empire Strikes Back. Go ahead. Well, uh, that's actually a subject that's near and dear to my heart because back in February, I got uh, put in Twitter jail for uh, recommending that Jordan Peterson challenge Justin Trudeau to a duel with uh, via via leather glove slap. And um, <laughs> I, sent a, I submitted, yeah, no, no, I submitted whole, an appeal for that. The whole Canadian trucker thing is, in, I mean, you joke about it, but that was, in, that was one of those incidences where it was like, you couldn't even come out and say, hey, uh, look, I get about, even if I agree with vaccines, I don't agree with the vaccine mandate and I don't agree with Canada's heavy handedness. You got banned. And that's kind of where this is why to me, at least Twitter's leadership had to change. No, that's where, that's where I am. I'm, I'm still in, I'm still locked out of the, my account. I've been locked out since February because they won't, they actually just can, you know, do a thing where they don't respond to your appeal. And so I, you know, while, while Musk may change the rules and I may change my mind, I didn't, I didn't, uh, delete the tweet because in that in the system that they they had before deleting the tweet was you affirming that you violated the rules and then therefore they had the you know the the escape hatch clause where they could ban you because you had a, a history of violating the rules and I didn't want to build that sort of uh that record against myself for this was also this was also the problem this is one of the biggest problems I had with when the New York Post story was frozen and the New York Post story refused to delete their tweet on the Hunter Biden laptop story, you had Jake Tapper come out and say, hey, just why don't you just delete the tweet? And it's like, this is this kind of gave the game away on what side journalists were on. In that. Well, exactly, exactly. And and the, the, the ridiculousness was uh, was when Jack was in front of Congress and he said, well, if they delete the tweet, they can return after he just got done saying it was a mistake to have have locked them out and and they, they've always had that contradiction and so i've been i've been sitting in jail the whole time and since musk hasn't changed the rules yet i haven't uh i haven't uh, reevaluated it but uh you know there's there's never been a support team that ha has actually been available the other day i i actually wound up watching clerks three and the uh the english subtitles were in french and i started tweeting uh, tweeting that out and Amazon help came and was like, Oh, Hey, what's going on? We can help you. Like Amazon, Amazon was there immediately on Twitter to offer me assistance, but I've been tweeting at uh, Twitter support for, you know, for, for like eight months on, on a, on a account that existed at the same, you know, uh, before, before I got locked out of the other one. 
and they they just don't respond. The last time they responded to anybody was November third. There's just no support at that company, whether Musk owns it or or not at the moment. So hopefully he adds that too. But the arbitrariness of getting getting locked out of your account for a violation, admitting that you violated the rules when you didn't, them having absolutely no obligation to respond to your appeals, it just made the place a hellhole. And so uh, repeating myself, it's it's hopefully. Yeah, I mean, would you delete the tweet now that Musk is in charge and you get your account back? Or is that are you still like completely 100 percent? Well, it's no on principle at the moment because I, you know, I didn't violate the rules, but it's the second thing that the the language would still say that you're building a case against yourself because you're admitting that you violated the rules. So if you have a history as a rule breaker, it's it's you know it could be like a three strike situation, and and you know three strikes on on uh, pleading guilty to things you didn't do is not a good situation. So it, if if the rules change that I would be agreeing to, I might reconsider it. But at the moment, no, I, I would prefer that to just have them say, okay, you didn't violate the rules so I could get out. Because it's, you know, it when you when it's stupid, but when you build an account with a following, you have a, an investment in that in that uh, that network. You know, it's not it's not a zero value thing, even though it is. Yeah, I mean, as as someone who's done that. I guess I've always looked at it as, I mean, it, it, it's funny as someone who I, I started an account in 2011, I think, and I've just, it's just built to this now to the point to where I'm here talking to people. Um, I, I've only just kind of done what I've wanted to. I've never really put value in, you know, I've got this many followers, whatever. Um, it, it honestly just took off. My account really just took off in 2012 with Benghazi. And that was had a lot to do with, um, Michelle Malkin and Twitchy picking me up and whatever, but I think I also just learned to follow the right people and retweet the right people. The one thing I learned from Twitter is always just retweet the people who are smarter than you. Don't take their thoughts and make them your own. Don't don't copy them. Don't whatever. Just just retweet. Just just this is a good thought. This is a smart person. Just here they are. And it doesn't matter if they're verified. It doesn't matter if they have uh, two hundred thousand followers or thirty. Or anything. And um, I guess I've just never put that kind of value into my account. I've just always just, I always just, I'm just doing it. Like it's the Joker. I just do things, you know, it's like, um, but I 100% get what you're saying. I know people put a lot of time into it and they use it as a marketing tool on that. And if, like, if my account got banned tomorrow, I just have to be like, okay, I have to figure out the podcast and whatever. but with new ownership, you might just look at it differently and be like, look, I get that you think that I was wrong, but if Musk is now owning it and you could just delete one tweet and have your account back, maybe it's just like, all right, we're starting. Jesus Christ, Andrew Mitchell's wearing fuck me boots. Sorry, I know that was random, but they just like MSNBC just rolled in with like the clear desk and she's like, nah. Anyway, um, so I don't know, maybe that's something to think about, like with new ownership, maybe just delete it and see where it goes. I mean, maybe there's no point to be proven anymore. Um, so, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not like telling you what to do. No, I, just gotta see, I just got to see what they, they update their policies to be right. I got I got to make that evaluation because at the that's, moment, but that seems like that's going to take a while. Like Musk says he's going to create a council. I volunteered for that, by the way. So if, 
if he actually selects me or if David Sachs selects me, I'll I'll put you on that list. I'll be like, bring Dr. Rolligator back before Trump. How's that? That that would um, be fantastic. <laughs> which I don't usually do. Um I'm gonna close up shop here, man. So right. we're going on like nine forty or whatever, but um uh so uh, but yeah, uh, Doctor, give give everyone your Substack again while while I have you here. Yeah, well, my Substack is drrollergator.substack.com. Um, I have I have a couple recent articles. One on one of them uh, talking about Ben Collins' deception, uh, lying about Michael Schellenberger's articles on the David DePapi and Paul Pelosi situation, and I also have a very long piece on something that you might want to pay attention to called stochastic terrorism, which is a loaded term that is being uh, used against, against people who are speaking, speaking about things uh, you might be passionate about uh, such as, you know, uh, child transgender surgeries, things like that. If someone's speaking out about, about uh, surgeries that are going on in uh, children who are, you know, under the age of 18, people who are, are, Concerned about that, or getting accused of stochastic terrorism, which is where you, uh, you know, where supposedly your your language is encouraging others to uh, to be attacked. And so the David DePape situation was supposedly right wing stochastic terrorism uh, by by people who are, uh, you know, complaining about Pelosi and running ads against her, uh, calling her you know, calling her evil or things like that. So you might, you might want to uh, read up on stochastic terrorism. And if you, you like, you don't have to, you don't have to pay to, to, to subscribe. Just go ahead and subscribe. Thanks. Steve. Yeah. Thanks doctor. Yeah. It's a fascinating subject and I've, I've, I've talked to him privately about it and Jake Tapper's used it. And um, like I said, my, the funniest thing about my conspiracy theory about the fact that, um, <laughs> that, like I said, my, my wildest conspiracy theory over Pelosi is that it was a staged attack. And she's like, honey, Paul, it's only going to be one hit with a hammer and the cops will see is the fact that she's now using that excuse to bow out from the house. Um, as the night's gone on here, it's looking like um, based on people who are extra polling, uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go here with Sean T from Real Clear Politics. It says it's pretty hard at this point to imagine how ours take the Senate. In fact, these picking up a seat seems more likely right now. Looking polling errors tend to be correlated. Ours are doing about what we expected in uh, Wisconsin, Ohio, given other stuff but behind. They are definitely behind in Arizona, Pennsylvania and Georgia. So it's going to be an interesting night. It's going to be a long night. Um, as I've said, um, it's going to take me a minute to kind of like, oh, Kevin McCarthy won. <laughs> so there you go. Um, uh, so again, this is going to be kind of a weird night. And I know I came on here at a weird time for you East Coasters slash West Coasters. But um, I appreciate all of you. I've looked at the room numbers and I'm kind of blown away by it. But um, I'm glad I got through everyone who wanted to speak tonight. And I wanted to thank listeners. As I said, this is kind of supposedly, uh, well, Chuck Schumer beat uh, Joe Pinion, so whatever, man. That's just like your opinion. Um, like I said, this was kind of supposed to be celebrated as the end of democracy, so it's going to be interesting to hear about if this isn't the way that it was. Is this suddenly not the end of democracy because people voted a certain way? Um, so a lot of fascinating things that have come out of this. I, I don't think some of this will be settled tonight. So like I said, I plan on being here pretty much every night this week because I do think this is going to go on. 
Um, I, I had to, I did kick a couple people out of the queue, so uh, just be sure to maybe come back tomorrow. I will be on Patreon tomorrow night, and uh, I'm sorry tomorrow to kind of go over some of what we saw tonight. Again, I'm seeing tons of doom and gloom, uh, both on the political right and some on the political left over some expected races. Um, so, like I said, it's going to be an interesting night. Stick with it, and we'll stick through it. Uh, as you all know, I'm not really someone who has a vested dog in this. My attitude is uh, if one house falls, I'm fine with that. Just to stop Joe Biden from whatever he wants to do again unconstitutionally for the next two years. So we'll see. Uh, it's been an interesting night, but I wanted to say thank you to my callers. I know this has been kind of a weird rambly night, but that was all point, And I interrupted a bunch of people for live updates uh, I'm not someone who's used to having three monitors in front of me and just being like, oh, this happened. Um, but again, I appreciate your patience. Appreciate my callers. Like I said, be on Patreon tomorrow and uh, most likely probably be back here tomorrow night. And uh, we'll get more opinions and uh, things about what whatever we're seeing. It's been a cuckoo crazy night, but aren't they all? So again, thank you to everyone. Um, we'll see if democracy is over tomorrow and we're all headed for the borders. 